Coco Talk would like to thank its patrons, the real sponsors of our show. So a very warm thank you and gratitude go to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Christina Armstrong, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Grant Leedy, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Steve Bjork, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., and Tom S. Thank you very much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed like by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. We're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. stream on Facebook. Double stream, not not like stream. I hear a blinker. <laughs> this is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks. And let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Cause Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Welcome to Coco Talk, another episode, another fine episode of Coco Talk for you, episode number 128, 148 even. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Coco Talk is rocking the little bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, cause Coco Talk is rocking the eight big world. Ron Delvo, I think we were talking to you, and what do you got going on? i just been uh, playing with my stuff. I had a friend die recently. I got another dog. Uh, um, that's what's going on in my life yes, right now. Sorry and yay. And yeah. it's raining in Arizona. And it's raining, yeah. It's very weird, extremely strange. Maybe that's why things are weird with the electrical lines and the karma out there. Some kind of a karma thing going on electrical flux or something i don't know anyway i've been uh <clears throat> working a lot with the vg6 uh viewer uh making pictures on my coco one tdp actually and it's just amazing what you can do i mean um if you get the picture right it looks pretty nice looks uh nice uh, if you get a chance go to uh, uh coco gallery I changed it. it was Coco 3 Gallery because we could only make pictures on Coco 3. But now we can do it on a Coco 1 too, which is amazing. If you have Coco VGA, yes. Yeah, if we Coco VGA. Awesome. Yep. So 
that's all I got for you. I've been just playing with my stuff. Being uh, retired, I can do that. And uh, sometimes I feel um, I, I almost think I could play a game. But then I think, no, <laughs> no. Nah. Now we'll just watch you guys. <laughs> Great. Well, maybe you want to demo some of those pictures later in the show. Sure. We'll do that later. Speaking of uh, guys who know how to put on a good show, the host of our Game On segment and our Coco Game On Challenge, Nick Moroda. Hello. Good afternoon. Welcome. Uh, I don't, don't know why I said welcome because I'm not hosting, but thank you very much. <laughs> Nick, are you, glow, are you glowing and basking in the success of the Game On Challenge competition? I, yeah, I have to say we had more people participate this week, and that is really the goal. Not It's not about the score. It's just about a bunch of guys having fun playing games together and uh, just uh, trying to recapture our childhood. So I, I really i am happy that our numbers were up this week in, in uh, participation. Great. Well, when you're when you're looking to play and, and challenge, uh, join us on the Game on Challenge, sometimes you need to plug in a joystick. And the next person on our panel knows something about switching from left to right, Mr. Jason Reichert. Is this, is this a, is this a repeat? I think I've seen this show before. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Switching your joysticks from left to right, from right to left. That's and, right. Uh, the... and switching oh, your cereal port. Got to be a better way. <laughs> I'm not seeing the Coco Talk thing. Is everybody else seeing it? I'm just seeing your pictures. Panel talk. Stream still has everybody. Yeah. Panel talk after dark. Depending if on where you are. What kind of wood panel do you like? I would prefer like a more medium uh, kind of hue. Wood panel. How do I see the, do I see the dark walnut? Great. Well, Jason, you have anything uh, going on with all of your switchable products? Uh, they're they're going on. They're switching. <laughs> they're available. All what right. can I say? Available at CocoMan.biz. Absolutely. John Laurie, our resident Apple employee. How are you doing? What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, just uh, work and uh, tinkering with that uh, that VG6 uh, converter that uh, Ron was talking about earlier and. Uh, uh, not, not really much going on though. I got a, a lot going on in the, in my life. So not a lot going on in the cocoa world. Okay. Cool. Well, um, welcome to the show. Thank you. L Curtis Boyle, legendary, uh, a, a game winning developer. How are you doing? Uh, I can sum it up with work, 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 work. <laughs> That's pretty well it. But you did find a chance to play Doodlebug, so that was good. Yeah, for half an hour while I was cooking supper one night. I knew you couldn't resist. That's the only Cocoa stuff I've done all week. It's not the same without you, Curtis. You have to take part, even if it's just a one We have to off. keep the Canadian contingent going since That's we're having, right. you know, intercontinental wars now on scores. <laughs> well, and speaking of people who are near Canada, I'd say he's an honorary Canadian. Mark D. Overholzer. Yeah, I'm fairly close. Yeah, about from proximity-wise. Yeah, proximity-wise. 
So hi there, uh, the Apple guy also, and uh, glad to be here and a lot of cool stuff. Yay. Great. Um, next up, a man who uh, always has new finds and new eBay purchases, Brian Weisler. How have you been doing? Uh, doing very well. Thank you. Will you have any uh, acquisitions to show us in uh, later in the show? Yeah, I have a few more ROM cartridges there if we uh, get to that point. You bet. Great. Uh, Brian, the music, music man, Schubring, is here. How are you doing, Brian? And, and what? Uh, how is your voice, uh, uh, your scratchy throat? Hey, that, that sounds like the sound settings I had for the show earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> normal now. Correct. Yeah. I, I've, I've been doing pretty good, just been doing a lot of work and whatnot, and uh, had a blissfully half day at work yesterday, so I was able to just chill a little bit. That's about what I'm doing today, just chilling and uh, saying, hello, guys, let's have some fun. Okay. Well, our... Backup streamer Mark B is a guy who always has fun. Uh, what are you doing, Mark? And I understand, uh, have you did you have a, a, a cold and have you recovered? Uh, I've been trying to get over the crud. Uh, I actually made some attempt at uh, Doodlebug, coming trying to find get the yes. lowest score possible. <laughs> and did you accomplish that? We'll find out. I think I found that there's another level somewhere. A level like you, two? It's, it's like you. It's like well, if you manage to clear all the all the all the dots, it <laughs> fills it up again. <laughs> don't don't give away all the tips and tricks yet. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> I almost broke ten thousand. <laughs> <laughs> clear the screen with the lowest score, right? I win. <laughs> <laughs> I turn games on. Pretty cool. It's really neat. So, <laughs> so what we're saying is it's an improvement. Our top story oh, tonight. Uh, oh, my God. This show is awesome now. We can't hear Stevie. Stevie, can you okay. hear me? So Take three, who, everybody. We can hear Stevie. You guys can't. And we're going to have to. Oh, the over. longest introduction in history. Steve, was I any <laughs> help by pointing Nobody out your large hear, microphone? Yeah. <laughs> Tempers are flaring. His lucky hat is off. Some dogs sleeping together. We'll be back. We'll be back. For take three. We'll we'll be back. Have we reached 150? The real show instead of the real bad show. All right, guys. We are back after uh, slight wrinkles with the audio. We're going to try this again. Uh, So let's just, uh, we'll go through the list. I've got my list here. It may not coincide with the uh, grid. I don't like when things jump around. So uh, let's start off with David O'Connor. How you doing, man? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm uh, doing good. I'm uh, hopefully got audio. <laughs> yes, we can um, hear you fine. You have no video though. You're not on. You're not the video live today. What's going on? Yeah, no, I'm in the process. I've been in the process for the last few weeks of completely pulling my studio apart and redoing everything. So I don't have my cameras all set up and. I don't even have my Coco set up, so I haven't been able to join in the game challenge yet. But, uh, oh, hopefully, that's okay. Hope, yeah, hopefully this week I'll be able to uh, get all that remedied and uh, maybe join in the Tetris challenge when we have Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know something I, do you know something I don't? 
Yes, sir. I get, we'll have Tetris <laughs> one day. I'm not sure when, but I'm sure that will happen. Well, thank you for joining us, David. It's really, uh, really glad to have you here. Uh, next up, no, we got. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Next up, we got James Diffendaffer. How are you doing, James? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the Mulligan episode. <laughs> um, are you here to say kind? Thi- are you here to say kind things? Kind, supportive things. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Entropy has <laughs> taken place. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I have been uh, working on setting up my development machine, my new system, and uh, I I built a version of uh, MAME that has uh, an MC10 with a 6303 CPU, uh, the Hitachi version, and I'm going to, as soon as I get the video capture software um, installed, um, I'll see if I can do a video showing the the difference in speed and does MAME, uh, does MC10? MAME does MC10. I was, and it actually, that. actually has pretty good emulation. Um, there's a Is few that common that knowledge. Yeah. Let me, let me put it this way. MAME does everything. If you have the ROM right. and if it doesn't right. do it, tell them and they'll add it. Give them five okay. minutes. Cool. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I've, I've also been dumping a lot of source code uh, for little things I've worked on over the last few years, just um, up on um, GitHub. And I'll be posting links for that. At, if, if you know where my U, uh, YouTube or uh, what you call them, um, 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 duh, uh, my blog is. Uh, the blog has a link over there and I'm going to have links, you know, between everything. And if you search on my name, you can find it anyway. So I've uploaded, uh, I don't know about 10 things or so, so far, but I'm going to do a bunch more. Um, I've been looking at, uh, a chess game for the MC 10 and, uh, someone was, begging for that over on Facebook and that might have to wait. It's looking like it's, there's not going to be something I can just compile. The compiler is kind of the C compiler that somebody did is kind of wonky yet. And, uh, none of the code wants to compile that I, that I tried and I, I could convert something from assembly, but you know what I've, I need a break. <laughs> so anyway, that's just some of the stuff I'm going, that's been going on. And yeah. Aside from your normal oh. trolling, you find time to do other things. Yeah. Right. Oh, and um, it's really good to see the uh, game arcade game competition thing going on. Um, Atari age has been doing that for, I don't know, like a decade or so. And it always gets a lot of participation and I, I'm really happy to see the the Coco get the same kind of same kind of love. So, um, thank you, James. That was kind of a supportive talk you just gave me there. Are you sure? Yeah, you I'm sorry. That? I I I tried not to. But... He must be ill. Oh, oh thank I you. Hope James. you feel better soon. Actually, <laughs> yeah. that's appreciated. Thank you. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad to see that uh, people are taking part in it as well. Um, so now and, and, and I have witnessed Stevie get past level one. 
on multiple yes. games. He's blown. He's blown his. Uh, he's blown his. Yeah, he, I wish he'd I get past level one on his, on his own show, but that's okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> his new hat doing the trick. <laughs> and now from the land down under, legendary game programmer Nick Marentes. Oh, jeez, eh? the bullshit doesn't end. Um, <laughs> it's in your contract. We have to call you that. Oh, okay. All you right. Tell him. <laughs> oh, sorry. Inside baseball. We're sorry. Yeah. Good day, everyone. Yep, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm 15 hours ahead. So I saw this uh, train wreck happening already. So, <laughs> why didn't you it, warn us? Does it end well? I just wanted to why? see how you handle it. Does it ever end? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, thank you for being here, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you getting up early and joining us every week. Did you preview oh, wow. your sh- your your game? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and now, a man who thanks you for your input, Mr. Ron Delvo. <laughs> you got it. Shiny side <laughs> in. <laughs> thank you for being here. And uh, I know we've talked in Arizona. <laughs> Yes, and uh, I, I know Jason, we spoke to in one of the last episodes, but Jason, thank you for being here. This Howdy. concludes another episode and, uh, of. I, is, this is not a rerun, unless you're watching later. Oh, that's trippy. <laughs> oh, oh, that was fancy. That that was fitting. Yeah. The, 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 the Coco talk and kaleidoscope vision. <laughs> and hello again, Mark Overhoser. Hello there. Sorry, I wasn't expecting me. Uh, yeah, nothing. I know we did you earlier, but we're just going to whip through. Okay. No one expects a Spanish Inquisition. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Mr. Music, Mr. Music Man Brian Chubring. Hey, hey, hey! I'm still here, and it's a most interesting day. Let's keep it going. It non-stop. Is. We will get through this, kicking and screaming. Groundhog Day. <laughs> no. We'll do the kicking and the fans will do the screaming. <laughs> make it stop. Make it stop. Our Apple employee, our token Apple employee, John Laurie. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> Since I've heard, heard it already, but uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Yes. Well, it's glad. Good to have you here. Thank you. Um, my partner in crime on the game segment and uh, a resident game encyclopedia, Mr. L. Curtis Boyle. Hello, everyone. Again. Welcome. Yeah. Hello again. So I hear <laughs> more to say during the news stuff, so go ahead. It's just an echo. Here you've been pretty busy with work stuff, which is good. Yeah, lots lots of overtime, actually. So I'll be, I won't be staying for the caboose segment today. I'll have to get back to work. He has to go to the bank with the truckload of money he has, right? Oh, no, I haven't paid for any of this stuff yet. That's the problem. <laughs> well, it is his busy season, which is January through December. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now we have a backup streamer, Mr. Mark Mosley. Oh, just taking another crack at Doodlebug. It won. <laughs> you have an interesting tip for us later on. Apparently, if you clear the dots, something really incredible happens. Yeah, more dots appear. David <laughs> for the show. Oh, thanks. You spoiled it for us. Yeah. We're checking in. We're going to deduct from your pay this week. Well, it's all about fun. So I'm glad you joined us on the game challenge, Mark. Thank you. It's not a challenge. It's just for fun. Just for fun. 
All right, now we have Alan Huffman. Greetings from Des Moines, Iowa. And how's Des Moines? It is warming up. 51 degrees today as opposed to negative 15 last week. Wow, that's quite a shift. I think you're getting our weather then because we're kind of going the same direction. All right, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, now we have Brian Weasler. Again. Hello, all. <laughs> welcome to the show. Yes, welcome, Brian. Brian, where is your Radio Shack located at? <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have a Radio Shack here. (laughs) They're all gone. (laughs) Now we have a man with a 40-track mind, David Ladd. (laughs) Hello, everybody. I'm glad that we're finally rolling the train down the tracks, I think. Anyway, I'm all ready for the show. Speaking of trains. Here. <laughs> so, yes, indeed. And I hear turn signal. Let's get the show moving. <laughs> Thank you for your continued enthusiasm through this. And now we have Gary Wilkerson. I'm yes, so sorry I'm for here. butchering your name. Huh? I said, I'm so sorry for butchering your name. How are you doing? No, you're fine. You got it right. Oh, good. Yep. Well, thank I'm here. You. Yeah, he'll. He'll try to butcher it next time. We'll butcher it next time. Okay. Well, good luck to you next time. <laughs> Gary, have you been on before? I have. Uh, I was uh, under Gary Neal for a while back. I had deleted that Facebook account. Oh, bad boy, huh? Jail? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. It happens. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thank so you I'm just for hanging joining. there and lurking mostly. Good stuff. You can well join us more often. We welcome more people, and it's the more people we have, the funner it is. So All right, thank you. And finally, on my list, we have Mr. Grant Litty. Oh, hey guys, how's it going? Good. How are you? Finally, getting you? over the coronavirus. I'm I'm getting over the coronavirus, and the government has let uh, let me out of 14 day court. Quarantine now. So I'm Congratulations. You just caused this, <laughs> this episode to be demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, seriously, I'm, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting over the uh, bronchitis, but I'm doing much better though. Thanks. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. All right. And that's all I have for the, for the participants. So now we will go on to talk about Boot Coco Fest. <laughs> wow, that was a record panel uh, introduction. Forty-two minutes. Yes, <laughs> record you know, breaking. Has three attempts. <laughs> Third time's a charm. That's right. All right, so um, Ron, uh, I'm not Ron, going Rob, to you take over. No, Rob, you taking not. over, or am I continuing on? Uh, no, I, I'm not taking over. I'm just not saying, you, I'm not. Ron. I'm not going to be a cocoa fest. Uh, I oh, will have. I have Cocoa Fest here every day of the year. So, <laughs> you're not coming up for the 40th anniversary room? No. no I'm oh, going to have big birthday you. candles right here at home. Well, I've yep. been hearing the planning continuing on in Discord this week with uh, Friday night dinner and, and uh, people getting tables. And it sounds like it's going to be a fantastic time. So, who all here is going? I am. I'm, I'm going. I'll be there. Oh, I'm going to be there. And who I'll has be tables, there. Who has a tables uh, reserved? Me. Oh, I have two tables, and uh, I'll be I'll be I'll be uh, continuing on the Bring Your Brother the Cocoa Fest program this year. 
And uh, many thanks to the Thayers for continuing that last year. We missed him last year, by the way. Yes. What's, so wrong, Ken, what's Ken, wrong with Ken this? Is... I have two tables. That's good. No, it's I'm that. not going. Oh, <laughs> so just a shrine? Just checking <laughs> to see if you're paying attention. It'll just be a shrine. A shrine. Yeah, well, you know, a sh so it'll be like a shrine to you kind of thing. Yeah, we we'll set up our MC tens on little that table. MC ten in the middle. <laughs> what a waste of two tables yeah um, ron, ron could could join us uh virtually i'm sure yeah uh, oh, that absolutely. sort of thing will be going on mm -hmm. and marco you said you have two tables yeah i do right across from david ladd and right next uh, right behind uh uh coco man what will you be showing off um Cocos, probably my <laughs> apple try to show networking stuff yay and David, what will you be showing off? Oh, darn not. Oh, <laughs> I'll have. If, if it involves the word grease and or weasel, you can. Uh... I, I think he broke it. <laughs> Please don't show your grease weasel in public. David, did you break it? <laughs> oh, I always like breaking stuff. Oh, oh yes. And <laughs> I am going to have my Poco set up. I hope to just <clears throat> maybe have. Um, an updated prototype of the uh, mouse adapter or two, hopefully, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know yet. It just depends on this whole Chinese uh, PCB issue stuff that's going on currently. And uh, yeah. You know, you can order those in the United States now. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, I don't want to pay an arm and leg to get it done in the United States. <laughs> We get the coronavirus version. <laughs> Jason, I'm not sure if I asked you, what will you be uh, showing off at Coco Fest this, this year? What will I be showing off at Coco Fest? What won't I be showing off at Coco Fest? Now, I'll, I'll have the usual video stuff. I'll have some switching devices, and I'll have a couple, couple, um, couple new things to throw out there. No, no big deal type things, but just a couple little tidbits. And uh, the one year anniversary of highway oh and uh well that that my brother will be showing that off i would assume but there'll be some there'll be a nightmare highway presence so does ken have a table or will he be uh we have tables? we have two tables so um we'll be sharing two tables nice that's why little, it is it is listed as coco man slash ken can make it for those two little, tables so you'll be little, able to find us little brotherly can, can uh, make it. brotherly love there it's nice we should bring up yeah. the map at some point here room map and uh, where people are at when you said you mi people missed him last year i'm like i saw him last year but then again he was on i stopped by on the way through he's, he's um, on the way right. to chicago <laughs> i miss seeing him seriously his display for your chalice from forest of doom challenge was fantastic that was cool that was just like yeah that was it that was just that was just something that started out as a joke and just just kept going but that was yeah that was that was funny that was great and who has that right now I have I have the actual mug, uh, the display. Oh, the uh, mug of douchery! I remember that. <laughs> You're just jealous, and Stevie's not here to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was kind of filling in. Yeah, I, you're channeling your inner Stevie. <laughs> All right. Anybody else have any demo uh, table with Coco Fest showing off anything or? Well, we plan on showing off ease of use beta five once I can get back onto it here before uh, before the fest and after work dies down a bit. So, 
I've got it's, basically one last program to fix up enough to release it. So once I get to that, yay, listen, the, the last fest, there used to be something to touch. Will there be something this year? It's uh, David Ladd's scalp. <laughs> <laughs> talking about the heron replacement. Yes. There's, is there a heron replacement or a, they touch the boomerang or, you know, stand on the wet spot and touch the boomerang and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And get electric shock. Nothing. <laughs> I'm not familiar we'll with the new hotel we'll myself, so I couldn't tell you. Is it going to be an elevator to get stuck in? That's the big question. Well, Grant's been there before. We've heard there is one, but you probably don't need to use it. So probably not, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? So when are you guys planning to start arriving? Friday morning. I will be arriving Friday night, but I will have to leave Sunday early evening because I got a business trip to Pennsylvania to make right afterwards. Oh. I have a meeting on Monday. Well, yes. you're halfway there. I'll be arriving. Actually, uh, well, three quarters of the way there from here. So I'll be about Friday afternoon, around three, maybe a little sooner. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. I'll be arriving Friday, sometime mm-hmm. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll be arriving I'll be Friday there. morning. I'll be there Friday, leaving Monday. Oh, oh I stay until Monday. Nice. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. So are you breaking up? You're breaking yeah, up. Yeah, you're, you're falling into the matrix there. Uh, yeah. Grant. Uh, yeah, uh, probably Friday afternoon ish. Just depends on what time uh, Ken and I leave, uh, leave the Toledo area and, uh, head out that way, but uh, probably want to meet, um, probably want to meet Ra- uh, Grant for lunch at Racks would be my guess. So we probably want to try <laughs> to get out there by lunchtime. There's a Racks roast beef restaurant in, uh, in Joliet, Illinois. And uh, for the folks who aren't familiar with that, that was a big thing. I don't know, 20 plus years ago, it was a kind of a better version of Arby's and there's just a few left now. And uh, I do try to seek them out. Um, when I when I can find one, and uh, this there happens to be only one in the whole state of Illinois, and it's in Joliet. Every time I hear those two words put together, I think of the Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I and I will say, Jason, it was uh, it was very good. I was very surprised. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, that's it's a little out of my way, but not that far out of the way. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, how many uh, releases are there going to be on this this new show, this new uh, Coco Fest? We're going to have uh, some games show up, and is there any hardware coming? Are you talking like new product releases? Yeah, well, I've heard rumors. There's going to be quite a few, releases. I think. Yeah, yeah, from what I've heard, there's going to be quite a few, and there's also a few that people want to keep under wraps until they actually happen, so you're not going to hear about it until the show. Mm. But there should be some, so. Things to look forward to. The Jimmy uh, X's and uh, Coco, new Coco clones, maybe from Ed Snyder. I don't know. Is he going to have some Ed, of them? Ed, Ed has never come to a show. I don't think he will come. So it, if he does do a, a release around that time, it'll be independent of the show itself. Yeah, I just thought somebody else might be there with his wares or something like that. But, uh, maybe. Yeah, I'd like to see somebody reproduce the stickers that go over the hole where you're, uh, where it says "Do not open, avoid your warranty." <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool to have new ones? And somebody has sure done that. I thought Richard Robieski has a bunch of those. Does he? I was going to say that they probably wouldn't be difficult to reproduce. Yeah, they're pretty I've simple. Got, I've yeah. got some here, some some that Carlos um, produced, and they're they're good. 
Oh, cool. Like, for example, Nick Morenti's, I think your your Gunstar is going to be ready by the fest, correct? Uh, yes, well, it'll be ready before, actually. I'll, I'll be announcing in uh, about three weeks. Okay, oh. and I'm sure we'll have some people demoing it off at the fest and able to pe- have people able to try it. Yeah, yeah. So, are you going to have a Stevie Stroh version? <laughs> yeah, that's the wimp mode. Only yeah, level that's one. Mode. That's wimp. That's wimp mode, right? Wimp mode. <laughs> no, I need something lower, I think, than that. So. <laughs> I don't know. I think we have to reassess Stevie because he's been doing pretty good on these game on challenge yeah, spotlights. So I don't know. No, he's Stevie's. Yeah, his reputation. Well, he's got that fake beard and that hat now, so he's got all these props to help him. We just need to get uh, Nick Marantas up here and want to present it directly to Stevie. <laughs> ah, yeah. a little go. bit difficult. I know we're definitely looking forward to gun starts. Uh, definitely going to push the envelope of the Coco 3. Yeah, I'm hoping Digger 3 will be ready by then, too. That'd be nice, another nice one to demo. Oh, show. yeah. Though I know Chet's not making it up either. Unless there's a last minute change. And is that outhouse? being worked on too or outhouse which one i don't know there looks like a, a somebody jim gary's he's already got a demo video up it's i'll oh. be showing that off in game on here later so oh okay oh cool oh and ken is mentioning in chat that there will be a special edition of nightmare highway available at coco fest with an added feature Ooh, like yeah. uh instead of couches <laughs> oh what is it he said it's the um yeah, the uh, with a with a physical edition with bonus feature, and uh, it sure is a bonus feature because I've tested it; it works. And uh, and uh, oh, and the the uh, the uh, the mug display uh, is sitting in the garage gathering dust. Uh, I guess minus the electronics. Hmm. The mug display. Yeah, the uh, the chalice or well, well the really chal- chalice the chalice of douchery. Yeah, um, well, yeah, that's what you call it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't there something nope. else we can put in named there? after Sir Alex Douchery? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, Sir um, Alex Douche. Douche. <laughs> Douche sounds sounds French. Yes, yes. Bono Bonnet de douche. <laughs> Oh, is that Sarah I hear in the background? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. All right. I don't I don't think she can hear you. Oh, it's all right. All right, Nick, you want to take a commercial break and we'll come back yeah. with uh, news I... and game on and acquisitions and more. Oh, all right. Boy. We'll be right back. Return after these announcements. A whole new approach. Faster than ever. A window to a world of possibilities. Clear your expectations. Clear your hesitation. Just hit 
clear. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com. Hi everybody, this is Siri, Apple's personal assistant and beatbox professional. You're watching Coco Talk with the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. What's going on everybody, Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show, we think we put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. This is Ken Breikert, author of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. And you're experiencing... Coco Talk? As you start your journey to Coco Fest, you notice the road ahead is littered with rogue furniture. You realize you are driving on the Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. The game for the Tandy Color Computer 1, 2, and 3. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Stunning low resolution visuals, digital to analog converted sound. 100% machine language and basic. What are they saying about Nightmare Highway? Nightmare Highway. Steve B. York says, of all the games released this year, this is one of them. Elkert S. Boyle says, this will not be on my site. Nick Marionette says, crikey, look at the size of that croc. Get your complimentary copy of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway at cancanmakeit.com. If you got it for free, you paid too much. Hey there, it's Andrew here with the Tandy Speech and Sound cartridge that I won from Coco Talk Live. So uh, next time, make sure to tune in. It may change your life. Let the Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. We now return you to Call Talk. Hey, am I in a quiet room? It got quiet. No, we are back. We are just kind of... <laughs> All right, so welcome back. And whenever you're ready for news, I can start the intro. Uh, Nicholas right. and uh, Curtis. Yes, let's go ahead. Over to Curtis well, for news. Let's do it. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Curtis. Hello, a Muppet News Flash. I still want my own personal Muppet to actually do all of this news segment stuff, but... Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll contact Jim Henson. 
And I am going to stop sharing system sound and uh, take it away, Curtis and Nick. Okie dokie. Can everybody see that? Crickets. Crickets. Certainly can. We're getting getting going. Okay, this first one here, and I'll get John Lowry to kind of chime in on it. Brian Palmer posted up a video earlier done by, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Geronimus Vanden, which is a video that was showing that an MC10 will, when running a loop, doing a peak of memory location two after doing a poke zero zero, and I can't remember, I think that's some internal 6803 stuff, uh, will react to your hand moving close to the MC10 itself, kind of like a theremin musical instrument does, where you move your hand and you get that spacey sound from the 50s and 60s movies. So um, this is the original video here that kind of shows it. And I'll, I'll play it. It's only 33 seconds. And uh, then we'll follow up with John. So it's almost proximity detecting his hand. Yeah, there's a few lines on the MC-10 that aren't, uh, <laughs> aren't very well shielded. Uh, a bit of main thumb being picked up the, there. The bus. And anyway, um, John did a video too, and he actually duplicated it, and it actually worked on his case too. So, John, you want to say exactly what uh, what you found when you did it? And then if James, anybody else wants to chime in as to why this is happening? Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I saw that and I thought, you know, well, I own an MC-10, so I got to test this. <laughs> and uh, uh, and so, yeah, I got the uh, sp- spooky action at a distance. So there's the program. It's pretty simple. Uh, it's just printing a peak of memory location two after poking zero comma zero. And um, it, uh, I noticed I had to kind of put my hand a little closer to get it to trigger uh, virtually touching the unit because it seemed like his hand was up a bit and it was triggering it. I had to seem to go a bit closer. Uh, and the MC-10 does have one heck of a shield on it that's uh, soldered on. Um, so if, if it were removed, it would probably be even more pronounced. But uh, yeah, I was just really intrigued by that. And, uh, you know, it's not unusual. The, M- the MC-10, if you look inside of an MC-10, it's kind of there's like it's like Bodgewire City, and uh, <laughs> it really, literally is. I mean, I had a problem with my MC10, and it was just me being an idiot and not having the TV hooked up to the RF. I had it hooked up to the composite. I had composite. It was plugged into composite instead of RF, and uh, so I thought there was something wrong with the MC10. It turned out there was nothing wrong with it. So I wound up taking the whole thing apart, uh, you know, busting the seal and everything on a. a you know, version MC10. Um, and when I was in there, I was really kind of surprised that a, a, a completely unmodified uh, MC10 is, you know, it has like just mountains of bodge wires and one chip piggybacked onto another. It's so it's kind of surprising how they just kind of got to a certain point very early in the development of it and said, okay, we got a product that went to market with it. Um, so I'm not really surprised that there's a, you know, the, the sort of interference with your hand. I mean, you know, it's, it's really back in those days too. You got to remember in the earliest days of computers, there, there wasn't a lot of uh, requirements, uh, FCC requirements uh, like there are now. Yeah. The model one famously suffered from that and actually created the FCC because of some of the interference it was doing. Yeah. Yeah. A guy the regulation, I should say not the FCC itself. There was a guy that actually, 
I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ron. Did you ever think that uh, you could do this on a cocoa? Um, uh, it could be maybe it's a possibility it could be done on a cocoa. I doubt that the cocoa, uh, cocos, and I think other computers were probably a little bit more well shielded that you wouldn't be able to do something like it's on an actual cocoa. What about a cocoa one? More of a chance. Maybe that's a, a much better chance. Yeah, because the cocoa one was developed, especially an early board version of a cocoa one might might do it uh, possibly uh, because it was just so you know the earlier the development uh, mm-hmm. the more you know like like Curtis was saying the model one um, there was a guy that actually wrote a program for the model one that you would bring a radio nearby and just kind of tune until you could hear it and uh, he would literally you know just running various uh, machine language loops would produce different uh, frequencies of sound and so he just worked worked out the various frequencies to get the 12 notes of the chromatic scale and was able to do music <laughs> with it. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, it's really cool though. I, if you got an MC 10, it, it definitely works. Now, now James Diffendaffer, well, you're our local MC 10 expert. The two locations that are being used, are those internal 6803 registers or what exactly is that? Doing? If it's uh, in the bottom um zero page it's location zero and two addresses or whatever and zero is the zero zero and zero one hex are um uh, data direction registers so they're probably setting some internal port to read and then they're just pulling it and if you look at the mc10 design um even though the there's shielding it like over the memory and some of that stuff. There's a lot of stuff still exposed. And if they're reading, uh, I don't, I I'd have to look up what bits and everything they're using, but if they're reading from something like the, uh, maybe the cassette interface or the serial port or, uh, Oh geez. Even. Well, I know, I know the memory locations are doing, they poked into zero which you said right. is a data direction register, and then they peaked two. Yeah. That helps. Uh, yeah. Um, I'd have to look it up, but uh, data IO port one, and I'd have to look at the, it might actually be the keyboard, but I don't That makes sense. sense. But, yeah. Uh, they didn't, the, the 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 bus on that if if you've ever looked at most of the computer dyne, designs you know they have like a terminator like you do with the uh disk drives remember you had to have the resistor Terminating resistor the, yeah yeah they don't have that tying it to ground so you if if you don't have some sort of re, uh resistant you know thing draining it to ground and you pass your hand over it you can induce a current onto some stuff and yeah, sure works. enough. Sure enough, you're right. A zero and one are the data direction registers. So uh, memory location zero, they're poking zero into data direction register for the keyboard lines. And uh, memory location two is the keyboard output lines. Yeah. So that's exactly the, what they're in. Even, even, though, even though they're shielding over the circuit, keep in mind that the keyboard has no shielding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're inducing the current probably in the keyboard and getting yeah, it. Yeah, and, and that's the, and the keyboard is hooked up to an I/O port, and there's you know it's it's they don't have any grounds on it, so uh, you know tied low. So it's kind of like a keyboard proximity detector at this point. Yes, yeah. it is. 
Yes, it is. And that also implies that you could get garbage input from the keyboard. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah. I have yeah. enough typing mistakes on my own. Thank you very much. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, so there's probably you, you got to remember that. You, you got to remember when you read the keyboard, they're, they're pulling lines high and then they're testing for which high lines are high. So your chances of an error are reduced a lot, but still, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a cheap well, design. All the tracks in the keyboard itself are probably acting as an antenna. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. no probably shielding a pretty there. good chance then that it'll work on a on an early Coco one with a with a uh, chiclet keyboard. Then I'll have to try it on mine. I've got one here with a chiclet keyboard. And, well, if and if also put, my original if, Coco one is an e-board too, so it's an earlier one with with, you know, with wires everywhere. So give it a try I, uh, and see what it does. The, the I, all the, the pokes wires, would be different. Yeah, the the wires, the bodge job on on in, inside that's the address decoding. Yeah, they, they and the whole reason they never fixed that is it would have cost to produce a second revision of the board. Another and they didn't want to do that. Yeah, it was the, cheaper uh, to pay people to solder than to do a new board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's not yeah. unusual. That's happened on a lot of products, on most products. Yeah, uh, especially from those days. But the one thing I did do that I didn't do a video of was I wrote a small basic program that kind of make a to create like a, a functional use of this. Uh, oddity uh my you know my back i have an apple watch and i have a mac and of course it's using wi-fi but the way it's designed when i sit down at my back i don't have to do anything i don't have to touch anything just from me coming into proximity of my mac with my watch will cause it to unlock and uh, <laughs> so it says unlocking with apple watch so i wrote a small uh, basic program that used this oddity to uh, such that when you wave your hand over the the keyboard it would say unlocked and you wave it again and it would say locked and you could just flip it back and forth you know just maybe if you put your head near it it'll read your mind uh, there you go <laughs> <laughs> for me it'll print out a bunch of zeros by <laughs> your brain maybe <laughs> yeah give your brain cancer anyway I, I thought it was just a really cool effect now i do think one thing i wouldn't mind you trying john in, in the next week if you have time or, or feel the inclination to do so is to see if the values change depending on what side of the keyboard your hand's over. Because if it yeah. makes a predictable pattern, you can make that into a joystick because the MC10 is famously does not have a joystick port. You could actually wave your hand over it to move left and right for a game. The joy board. Yeah. Oh, there you oh, go. That's a cool idea. I thought that'd be a pretty interesting experiment to try. I don't know if it, if it does have that precision where it'll let you know by what peaking you're getting back as to what side of the keyboard you're on, but maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'll uh, I'll tinker with it and see what kind of you know values it, it produces and uh, and see what I can come up with. Be a maybe neat, have some neat way to play Timberman if you could do it like that, just waving yeah. your hands on or any of the one thousand Jim Gary games for that matter. Any of the one thousand Jim Gary games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you got to update that number, he probably released something in the amount of time we've been. Oh, talking. there's there's yeah. some of his coming up. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, that was a really cool cool experiment. I I never seen anybody do that before than MC10. So. Okay, uh, next up. Um, last week we announced that uh, Simon Hart had been working on getting uh, X online version of XWAR to be able to directly access the World of Dragon archive disk images, and he now has it actually working. Um, so he's got a, a link in his Facebook post, which I'll actually kind of go through here. This is the original announcement about it, but if you go here and you pick the company that you want to try a game from, 
I don't know dragon companies all that well, so let's pick one maybe I actually recognize. And then you'll get the list of the games here. Actually, it looks like he must have a temporary offline because he had a little clicking section on the right here that said play now, and would immediately fire up the online X War and actually play the game. The uh, dragon archive is up and down all the time, so. <laughs> okay, because I did try it earlier this week, and it did work. I actually tried a couple of games that I had never seen before, so once he gets that fully working, I know they're working on cartridge support too, because right now it doesn't fully support that. I know Karen's act are helping him with it. But once it's all up and running, you'll be able to play anything on the archive with the actual online archive emulator just with a browser. It's kind of cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. And I think I might have killed one of mine by accident here. Whoops. So I'll just skip ahead. Uh, Patrick Thomas um, did some graphics using the Coco 3 palette and resolution, the 320 screen, uh, based on the game Rick Dangerous. It's not a game I'm familiar with. Are you guys familiar with that one? On the Amiga I've heard 64. of it. The Amiga one? It's 64. Yeah. Okay. So he's offering to help draw the graphics and even make the music if someone else would like to write the code. And here he gives you an example of, of the sprites shapes that he's created as a start. And I know, John, you said the sprite looks great. I don't know if anybody is interested in, in helping him, <laughs> you know, achieve the goal of getting this game ported. That does look very much like it. Maybe a little better. Is it, so is that a platformer game or what? Like I said, I'm not familiar with the game. So it's it... a platform game, yeah. Okay. It's pretty good. It's going to bring up the one I killed by accident. No, no, I guess I have the wrong link. Okay, never mind. Next up. Paul Shoemaker had a pleasant surprise in a box of Coco's 2 stuff he just got this past week. He's got one of the rare Waiko Atari, and these are the Atari 2600 style connectors to Coco joystick adapter, which I do remember some of my friends having from back in the day. I don't know if any of you guys have these. I had one for a while. And cool. actually did both joysticks. It was cool. here at the moment. You can tell us. Yeah, it, it, it works. It it totally works really well. I mean, I, I had to take it apart and clean it because it was pretty gross when I got it, but um, it, it works really well. And one thing I noticed that's different, and I'm sure there's a very good reason. I just don't know what it is, but the, um, the version that I got from oh, uh, John and them what has a third cable that actually plugs into the cassette port, I guess. And I assume it's pulling power that way. And I, I, I don't know what that difference might be, but this one only connects to the right and left joystick port. And uh, the more, I guess, uh, newer version actually has a third cable that plugs in. Mm, I don't know what that does. Anybody else know? Mine Is that the Neil Blanchard adapter? Cable. That's the one. Yes, the Neil Blanchard adapter. Yeah, it does the Sega. Yeah, from what I understand, that's for uh, additional button support on the Sega uh, Genesis style adapters if the uh, uh, particular software is coded for that and uh yeah, I believe special the, software to handle yeah, the extra yeah. buttons. okay i've only tried both of them with uh, an old atari 2600 joystick that i have the other thing that's interesting and i don't know if it's if this is by design or if i should ex have expected it not to work is it this um coco that i got that came with this wiko controller also came with the atari tw 2600 paddles you know the ones that would just rotate back and forth and those don't seem to do anything on in either one and it may just no, this is all be, digital uh those are analog i guess yep. yes okay okay 
So I, and that's actually why I, I, I bid on the cocoa to get the cocoa, but also because I saw this in there and I wondered what it was and it had the paddles and I thought the paddles might work um, for, you know, and be neat for a game like Breakout or Arkanoid or something like that. But unfortunately, they didn't work. Yeah. They may, but you, you'd have to change the, the, the plug. So it doesn't need that adapter. Right. So, you, it wouldn't be too difficult to make a paddle uh, type adapter or modify a, an Atari style because it's a potentiometer. Yeah, paddles would be yeah. Just a, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just one axis exactly each. Yeah. The, somebody somebody proposed doing like I can't, four, if the, I can't remember if the Apple has the same range, but no, it's, it's easy to adapt them. You change that with resistors, it's quite straightforward. Yep. Yeah. I know we we discussed on the show quite a while ago. Somebody was talking about doing paddles, so we could do a four-player game like Warlords or something like that only needs a single axis to move your person around. And they were talking about doing that on the Coco because it's the ports would support that already. You just have four paddles hooked up two in each port. Right. Yeah, that, that one also came with a high-res joystick adapter, which I thought was cool, but unfortunately the packing job wasn't very good, and so the case on it totally got smashed to bits but the adapter is still there so i don't know if i'm going to make a case for it or maybe maybe this would be a good one if if because i know there from time to time there's talk of people wanting to produce these and here's one without a case that would be pretty easy to to look at and reproduce if there was a, a reason to do that i know the the software version nick that you did works phenomenally well without needing any hardware so maybe there's just not a reason for it anymore Curtis if you check uh, group chat I pasted a link to the story that you missed wants to learn how to 40 years later upgrade the rock not hearing any audio your trs 80 computer i am this particular board is a revision f and you can tell yo oh, now, we, now we can't hear yeah, the audio coming through fine i could hear it just fine could you guys hear the Come audio through. I could. No, I'm not yeah. hearing anything right now. I heard it just fine. Yep. When you were playing the video, it was coming through. You know, oh, okay. Some people were said hearing that in some words. That's weird. Yeah. The Coco Talk hearing test. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Coco Talk Murphy's Left Law right. episode is what this is. Yeah. Left right. <laughs> oh, Curtis, I think you shared your wrong screen. All right. Which one am I on? Uh, you're, we're looking at your script. Text edit. Oh, yeah, you're right. Huh. I was wondering what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's all inside baseball here. Can I rage quit um, like Stevie? This is just about that. <laughs> hey, it's a Waffen Zero Centigrade over where you're at. Nice. Is that better? That's better. Okay, thanks. Ooh la la. Okay, so this one here, uh, Nathan Likey, like I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but he made a video showing how to do a 64K RAM upgrade to a Coco One that he acquired, uh, including you know what what capacitors to snip and what jumpers to move and everything else here. Forty years later, upgrade the RAM in their TRS-80 color computer. 
So I won't play the whole thing, but if anybody has a Cocoa 1 and wants to attempt tackling the RAM upgrade themselves, here it gives all the details. This would only work on this type, but here goes. Which is kind of cool to have. No, it's, it's different between which board revision Yeah, I think this, the 285, that's an F yeah. board, isn't yeah. it? He just said it's an F, yeah. 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 Okay. Next up, and I've been looking forward to this for a, a while here since uh, Boise put up that little teaser that he's going to be doing the Cocoa Collector series, and he's actually got episode zero out now. And the first one is covering the 64K Cocoa, which is the one that was announced on the September 1983 Rainbow. And that was the white case, melted keyboard, um, full-size Cocoa 1 with 64K. Uh, it came out, it was announced the same time as the Cocoa 2 was. The Cocoa 2s were delayed, I think, six or eight weeks afterwards, from what I remember. Uh, so this is uh, kind of covering that one. So it goes into a bit of the history, and you can see a nice, nice cleaned up photo or uh, video of it. Um Kind of goes through the history and what all you know, the ports are and takes it apart to show you the motherboard, which is an F board as well. Actually, the same one we were just looking at in the previous video. And uh, kind of goes through the chips and stuff too. So um, he has a very good presentation on this. And I know he's got a lot of really cool, unique stuff, including that Cocoa 4 case prototype that he is the only one in existence that I know of. So when he gets to the episode, I'm definitely going to be watching that. But the, the series looks really good so far. So kudos to Boise on that. Cool. Yeah, looking forward to that. And of course, the links for all of these stories are showing up in chat. Thanks to Mark Overholzer. So, if you guys want to, you know, view the full details of these, just grab the link and hop on over. Just wait till the news are done first, though. Of course, <laughs> wait till Coco Talk has become to a complete stop. Yeah. Keep when your, the train derailment starts, keep your hands and legs times inside. <laughs> Uh, next up, we've got episode nine of the Cocoa Show is officially released Wednesday. This is our first crossover episode between the two shows where we did the Cocoa Game on Spotlight on Doodlebug. So the game that they had picked this uh, week and they did the live streamcast of all their shows last Friday. So they actually announced it one day before we did on the live stream. But the official podcast release of the Cocoa Show is out now, too, which covers it. Now, I did want to play the first two minutes of this because they actually got a present from a Cocoa guy in Hawaii. That I thought was pretty interesting, and it's nothing to do with Doodlebug. So I'll just play that little segment there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Coco. How's Show. the volume? I'm John. Good. I'm Aaron. Good. It's okay. Today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Doodlebug. Oh, Doodlebug. Yeah. Now, uh, before we get into Doodlebug, we got a little package in the mail. Oh. Okay. And I've spent some time unwrapping this I thing. I can't pretend to be surprised by this. <laughs> okay, this boat has wrangled this package for This thing minutes. came in a massive, massive uh, thing. Uh-huh. Um, it was uh, like four feet long. Two feet wide and like three inches thick. No, so it's 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 very very it was wrapped very very well. This came to us from the Isle of Hawaii. Sounds like oh, a Coleco Adam. Jonas sent this over to us. Our good buddy. And it is a mounted advertisement for I believe this is a Coco One. Correct. Oh, look how nice. Yeah. So See, we got the joysticks down there and everything. Yeah, so this looks like it might have appeared in a Radio Shack catalog. <laughs> Um, yep, I know we've seen some patent there. applications yeah. done. And so Jonas has actually uh, taken this, scanned it, blown it up, and mounted it uh, on. Well, this is fully wall mountable. So thank you so much, oh, Jonas. That's super, super that. awesome. Let's get a real good look at that. I didn't realize that the uh, the MSRP on the original 4K Coco was that high. Three hundred ninety nine dollars. Uh, so five forty nine. Can't TV or anything. 
That, that's that's pretty old school. But yeah, that's a that's a good chunk of change. Yeah, you know? yeah. I would mention too. He's actually got it mounted um, up in, in his uh, home now too. He's actually showing it up on the, the wall. The Coco Two so. and the Coco Three came out. Where did they all retail around the same amount, or did oh, they? Oh, jeez, I don't remember. You dude. don't remember. You know, if you look at this though, so like computer, four hundred dollar. All right, TV that thirteen inch color TV. Four hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. All right. Then you got your cassette deck, sixty bucks. Joysticks, twenty four ninety five. Yeah. So the TV was as much as the computer. Yeah. Look at the labeling on the TV. It's even got a little. It's even got a little Radio Shack it emblem matches. on the. Yeah. TV. Does anybody still have now, those Radio Shack TVs that they originally sold as a Coco matching TV and computer set to complete your collection? <laughs> that's very, awesome. Very cool. yeah. Thank you, Jonas. That's great. So we'll, we, we will definitely hang that. Band we'll mount boy that up. right on the wall. It will look just like this by the next episode. Those so silver ones, you know, the, ch the Chud's got one of those. Does he? Yeah, he's got one. Mm. He, I'll, I'm begging him to get that over here. Is that? Anyway, I thought it was kind of cool that somebody sent them that as a gift to, for the Coco show. So. Did Who actually? I'm sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, Who go ahead. actually made the TVs? Wasn't it RCA or something? I can't remember. Was it? I don't RCA know. made their black and whites for the um, model, model one. Model one. Just oh, funny. Think Magnavox. That was, just a, that was just a case and a chassis for the Model 1. It was no electronics, just a case and a chassis. That's it. Well, it was missing the tuner for or sure. Or in the tube. <laughs> the, well, in the tube. But other yeah. than that, there was no... All the electronics was done by Tandy for that. And if you do the math on the, you know, the... For, you know, adjusted for inflation, 399 bucks in 1980 was about the equivalent of 1200 and let say here twelve hundred and forty nine dollars in, in today's dollars. So if you were making that purchase, you're thinking about spending like think about today. Oh, I'm going to spend twelve hundred and fifty bucks on this new machine. And if you wanted the monitor and the computer, then you're spending twenty five hundred in today's dollars. Is what you're saying? Yeah, if you're looking at a four hundred dollar TV. Yeah. Oh, that's just a good video card and processor today. <laughs> yeah. That's almost two iPhones. That's how expensive that is. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, way more than two iPhones. Depending on which one you get. <laughs> uh, next up, we have, and a few of us have already played with this, which is kind of cool. Um, Todd Wallace, who's known as Lord Dragon on Discord, he's been kind of learning 609 assembly language the last couple of months, and he's been doing various little bits you know, with it has actually got this program out now and you can download this on Facebook and I gave Mark the link so he can post that into the YouTube. I won't download the link because that's kind of boring to watch me download a zip file. But um, he has a little video kind of demonstrating it um, with a bit of explanation of it. I'll skip the exclamation part and just I get to the part of running it. Which kind of what it does is it detects some of the base hardware of your computer, like what type of a CPU do you have? Do you have 6809 or 639? Which version of the gimme do you have? Which version of disk basic are you running? So I will let him... Oh, this is the Sysinfo one, is it? Yeah. The... Yeah. Load it up. And this is what it looks like. There you go. Not too, nothing too uh, elaborate. So you can see there... it's a little very... RGB, the Tandy logo on the side, the three colors. That's cool. Yeah, I was just going to say the presentation is really good. I think uh, Nick Morenti's pointed that out too. Yeah. If if you let that run just a few seconds longer when he resets it, an interesting thing pops up on the screen. But I tried to make it kind of look kind of like NeoFetch does with the logo on the left and uh but it detected my 6309 CPU, uh 2 megs of RAM, 
I have the uh, newer version of the Gimme, the uh, 1987 version, vintage or whatever. Uh, and it detected that SDC DOS 1.6 is my disk ROM. So um, I, I hope people will try this out and let me know um, if there's any errors in the detection so I can maybe fix it, but that's uh, yeah, pretty cool. And you press uh, break to go back to um, basic. So now I'm gonna show, uh, whoop, sneak preview, another project I'm working on. I'm just gonna show an example. <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and, so I don't know if he's got some kind of new boot ROM going on or something. Well, we've got the Windows 95 boot on, hidden away on EOU right now too, so. Oh, do you? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think he's doing something similar. <laughs> basic from the uh, flashback. Anyway, he does a second run here where he runs it, but he does that special command on the SDC to revert back to disk basic. So it's now showing the disk basic ROM because that's the one that's active on the SDC. So for a lot of the, uh, the new people we get, um, you know, are buying Cocos, you know, from far and away on eBay, et cetera, or just picked one up from somebody else and doesn't really know what they have. This would be a good thing for them to pro or download for their Coco 3 to check. Um, the Gimme version actually does get important with certain apps that use very precise timing off the timer RQ because it is a little bit different between the two. I mean, some of Sockmaster's programs actually auto-detect and adjust themselves accordingly, but I don't think everything does. And, of course, if you want to you know, play Gunstar here in three weeks, well, you have to have the 639, <laughs> so you better make darn sure you get that. Next up, uh, James Jones has written a blog post called Towards a Basic 9 Style, which gives some tips on writing Basic 9 programs, both just general tips and also for legibility. And, oops. That's cool. So he goes kind of goes through how variables work and some of the obvious advantages between Basic 9 versus the older basics. Um, mentions the few commands that still require line numbers like on air go to, uh, how case sensitivity uh, works and does not work for variable names. Uh, data types, why you should dim things all the time. And that's one thing I do too, because it does make things a little bit more predictable for debugging. Um, he likes doing the colon equals for assignments and then equals is if you're doing a compare, it like accept either one just fine. I personally like typing less because I'm lazy. So I always use equals no matter what. You can do let as well, right? You can say let x yep. equal three. Yeah. That takes more memory, of I course, but... Don't think anybody uses it. I've never. I don't think I remember typing let in any of my programs for it's, a long time. Let is more for backwards compatibility because some of the earlier eight bits uh, let was required to assign, depending on what version that, of basic. That you was have. required in uh, the original specs for basic. Yeah, I don't think any of the Microsoft basics require it. Nope. I don't, mm -hmm. No. No, they never have, to my knowledge. And do you anyway, remember? Okay. Apple floating point basic and the Commodore 64 basic and the candy basic are all Microsoft derivatives. Yep. So. Anyway, there's, there's some actual tips and tricks there that I I'd kind of forgotten about too. So if you, if you're getting into basic nine and you want to just a kind of like brief overview of a few interesting things, it's a very good, and he's been doing multiple things on basic nine over on his blog here the last probably six months to a year. So every once in a while, will come up with something. And if you're into basic nine or wanting to learn it, it's definitely a good one to grab onto his blog and just kind of keep an eye out for when his new stuff comes out. Go ahead. Just, that's good timing. That's exactly what I'm. That's what I'm about to do a, now. I've actually I just downloaded the um, the EOU beta four. So I'm uh, hopefully this week when I get all my cocoa set up again, I'm going to uh, dive in and start experimenting with basic 09. Cool. Go ahead, James. 
Uh, just an FYI, uh, the Go language uh, uses the colon equals and the equals for the different uses. And they uh, they originally borrowed the colon equals from Pascal. Pascal. And I can't remember. Yeah, Pascal's where I remember it from. Yeah. Yep. So. Next up, uh, I know Dave Philpson was in chat earlier, but that was before we started our, you know, three-peat of having this episode start. So I don't know if he's still there or not. Three-peat. <laughs> but um, he's posted a preliminary wiki entry for his Cocoa Dev hardware and also a video demonstrating it, which I'll get to in a second too. Now, the Cocoa Dev is an FPGA-based piece of hardware that implements the 6809, much like the Cocoa FPGA does or the Matchbox or some of these other things. But it's not meant to be fully Cocoa compatible. It's rather to be meant as, as similar to a Cocoa, can be programmed the same way. He's already got the uh, the basic ROMs, the Tandy basic ROMs running on it. Oh, Nitrous 9 Level 2 is running on it with text modes only at this point. It doesn't have graphics working yet. So it kind of sounds like he's trying to get like it familiar for people that are used to programming on the Cocoa to have more modern hardware. So it sounds similar to the 8-bit guy's Commodore 64 project the, that he talked about on the show when we interviewed him, where he's got that thing that, you know, you program it like a C64, but it's got a whole bunch of capabilities passed, and it's not 100% backwards compatible. Neat. So we kind of go ahead. I was just going to say, that's neat. I, didn't, I haven't seen that up till just now. Yeah, so he kind of goes through the specs here. It's got the 689 core, 512K of static RAM, 4 mega flash memory, et cetera, et cetera. So this is kind of the hardware thing. And then he's got the uh, software demo. So you can immediately see here at the beginning of his demo, uh, disk basic, but running on a much higher resolution text screen than you get on a Cocoa VGA even at that point. I think it's like an 80 by 50 screen. Extended color basic. And another is the real-time clock. Got a real-time clock built into it. a thousand virtual floppy drives that are available, so I can mount any of the 1,000 floppy drives. And he can mount thousands of images on it. He's also got a flash ROM that was mentioned in the specs. You can save images on there as well that you can pull off that don't you don't have to link up with an SD card or anything. It can be built right in. And there's there's not a room for a ton of those. I think it's like 20 or something. The SD card, of course, you can have thousands and thousands of So I saved a single base. So he kind of goes through that. And then he's got some low-res graphics stuff demoing there. And of course, it runs really, really fast. And then he also does a demonstration briefly of Nitrous 9 running on it. I'll Basic just program. A little bit on the flash here. Now, so he's got a, a couple new commands the for the flash memory access. He's got fsave, fdir, fload type things. So you can actually save stuff on the flash ROM that gets retained between power up or power offs and power ons. And there he's got o nitrous nine level two and it's emulating a, f or not quite emulating, but uh, virtualizing a uh, 512k base hardware with MMU and everything else compatible with Cocoa three. So it wasn't too hard for him to get the port to work. It does support multiple hardware text windows. There's also two and it's actually pulling the real-time clock, real-time there, so you don't have to type uh, it in like you have to do one, in the current EV which is easy a green use. background and black letters, and window two, And he set up his windows in different colors, so you can tell them apart. But it's a very interesting um, project. He's been actively working on it now for a few months that I've been seeing on Discord. In fact, I think, Mark, you just created a separate Discord channel for, uh, for him to discuss the Yes, project. there is. Uh, 6809 Single Board Computer, SBC. So if anybody's interested in this, I mean, you, aside from getting the details from the wiki and watching his video, kind of giving some explanations there, 
join Discord, join that particular channel there, and you'll be able to ask the person who's actually doing it all any questions you have, any you know things you would like to see on it, et cetera, how to set one up, et cetera. He's on pretty frequently, so feel free to yeah. post questions there to him. Yeah, he's a really good resource. He's also the author of the original version of Supercom, a term program we used to use back in the OS9 days in the 80s and 90s. Cool. Next up, and this is a new channel I've not seen on YouTube before called Cyber Hug Technologies. Um, and he just acquired uh, Dragon 32 untested. So he kind of goes through a bit of an explanation of what exactly a Dragon 32 is, a little bit of its history and stuff. And then he goes into trying to get it to run. And in this case, the I think it was the power cord was kind of cobbled together. Somebody tried to make a handmade extender, so it's like held together with duct tape and whatever else. Hi, everyone. Today, <laughs> I'm very excited. I have. And then there was also Dragon a uh, chip missing in the, the video circuitry that he had to add back in. But you can see there it comes with the joysticks and stuff. And I'll see if I can find a picture of this power cord he had. I don't like uh, what this guy, the previous owner, did or somebody did. Um, I think he was trying to make the mains cable longer. So there's a nasty connection here. You can see I don't like that. I'm going to uh, cut this off and uh, put my European uh, mains uh, classic type on the side. This one is useless. Um, so he's going to convert the power cable over and then he's kind of got some schematics and stuff that he's following to figure it out. And then he figured out that a chip was missing, but he basically at the end of it, he gets it up and running. So any, any of you could pick up a dragon and I think this is more for the PAL version than TSC, but uh, if you're having problems with the power supply or problems with the uh, video, then you, he has some tips and tricks you could try there to, to fix it up. I'm sitting here trying to click like on that video. <laughs> <laughs> click the link in the chat there. Mark's already posted up to get to it. So, <laughs> And the last one for the news segment here, this is uh, actually, of course, near and dear to my heart because it's OS9 related. But uh, this is the actual uh, operating manuals for OS9 for the Dragon, including the service guide on the left. You can see the left-hand side of the programming manual on the right. I have not seen the Dragon versions of these before, so this was kind of interesting to me and i think did you have another picture the left one looks like the regular dragon manuals i think yeah and this one here you got a couple of boxes of stuff the left is spectrum stuff the stuff on the right is dragon like you can see jay morrison chess you can see drone data tank some games and stuff like that and then he's got some you know business software on the bottom there's stock recording system cash box and uh, tax register system and, and stylograph, which is a uh, word processor, I think. I th we had that one on the Kogu 2, if I remember, didn't we? Yep. Yeah. For level one. Yeah. So a pretty good haul of stuff there, but it was interesting. I've never seen the Dragon versions of the OS 9 manuals before. They actually look I a little bit better than the Coco 1 Tandy ones, to be honest. I hadn't seen the, that kind of packaging used on the Dragon stuff before. Pretty, pretty cool. And that's all I had for news. So I will stop sharing for now.
Good job, um, man. Curtis. Yo, can I add something? Sure. So, um, to pick up from last week's um, thing where we were discussing the arms for the joystick on the deluxe joystick, <clears throat> um, on Facebook there was discussions about, um, you know, what plastics would be best to be used because you know, like PLA would be too soft and brittle and stuff like that. And uh, I did some testing just to give an idea with just the PLA print that I did that I posted pictures on Facebook, which you could probably view from those links from last week. But I was playing some games for quite a while and I was being quite rough with the joystick to see if I could get the arms to break and just give an idea to those, those people that were complaining the plastic for the arms might be too brittle. I broke the actual joystick housing before the arms <laughs> broke. <laughs> only you, David, only you. No, so I'm happy breaking things. <laughs> so, so ju ju just a, a, you know, comment. If the, the new arms can survive better than the joystick housing can now. Um, I don't think you have to worry about the 3D printing being in PLA for the arms because your body will probably break before the arms. I think that's what we have to consider a David Ladd level of force. Yeah. Now, I, I'm trying to remember, David, because actually I kind of forgot about that because we had kind of covered the, the basis of that last week. So I kind of didn't add it to the news again but didn't they also have replacements for these switches on the bottom for switching between free float and springback as well because those yes. break and wear out too yes um paul fiscarelli was two two hours behind us so when he got caught up he started designing the free float switches while we were still on coco talk and had sent me the stls to print a couple <laughs> and um so, and then of course the, uh, he, um, Kelly, is that correct? Um, who did the two arms, he did his own free float switch. I haven't tried printing those yet, but yeah, the PLA plus version of those, um, I've been, you know, vigorously working them back and forth and they haven't broke. So, um, so yes, there, you can 3D print those. Okay, so. now I have one, one last question before we end the segment then. Uh, concerning replacement 3D parts, whether they be for the joysticks or anything else we come up with in the future, for those of us that do not have access to 3D printers, don't have people with them nearby, are any of you people that do have them planning on selling or at least making available to manufacture on behalf of us some of these things that get screwed up on joysticks, et cetera? Um, well, I've been thinking about it. Um, now a lot of people, you can grow through Thingiverse and you can actually get them printed, but I'll tell you, um, going through Thingiverse to get stuff printed, I've had some experience with this. They do not print in the very, uh, best, uh, quality settings. So they're more like on very low prototype settings, which yeah, aren't the greatest settings. Not very for, strong. Yeah. And um, so you're saying is Baker recommend we don't use them to get uh, these done? I, I, I have a alternative suggestion. Check your local library. Uh, one of my local libraries, uh, you have to take a little 
class and you have to pay a fee and stuff, but uh, they do have a 3D printer and you can go in and print stuff on it. So now does that cost as much as ordering a part from David? I have no idea. I haven't printed anything yet. So, okay. Because what yeah, I'm looking I'll is, is it to make a, a commercial hey, hey. version of this that people can actually just get replacement parts for whatever they need? Not yeah, and, and dealing with 3D keep, printers and downloading the right file and blah blah blah. And and keep in mind, this is going to vary between from one library to the next anyway. Yeah, so. I don't think our local libraries here have any 3D printers yet, from what I know of. Yeah, yeah. I'll take I, a look with my printer, and if it if it makes good ones, because I happen to have one that's broken, uh, a joystick that I've glued back together to use. And uh, I'll print them, and if they work, I'll I'll print up a whole bunch of a batch batches and make them available. We should be able to just send them out for a couple of bucks in a padded envelope. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you bring some down to the fest there, uh, Alan, if you want to make them or David or whoever, I mean, I've, I've got four or five deluxe joysticks here, and all of them need those bottom switches replaced, yeah. and probably I'll, a few I'll, of them I'll are see about on the bars too. Yeah, I'll see about doing that. I already have about uh, half a dozen or so of the cases for the Coco Wi-Fi parts for people that bought the pieces uh, from me previously that want to put it in the little box that was designed, not by me. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to bring some of those to the show if I can make it. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> and as far as me, um, I used the Thingiverse calculators. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I figure based on what they were figuring, it was like about nine dollars to print both arms and both the buttons or the not the buttons but the little free float switches and so i figured <clears throat> setting the printer at max quality 100 percent infill for strength i figured 10 bucks for all all four pieces would probably be a good good round figure for for those because you know if you're wanting strength, you want 100% infill, and you want the best quality, <clears throat> at least from what I've been playing with for printing in the last week. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, if you sell a kit of the 10 pieces, like the two free float things and then the two bars, I, I would buy several of those. Yeah, well, um, just just give me some time, because right now I'm still printing the printer's upgrade parts. <laughs> this thing's been running for, like, now two weeks straight of nothing but printing its its own own upgrades. And it's... <clears throat> and, and, yeah. And, Printer inception. Well, and I have new firmware I need to install, which I just got done printing the electronics enclosure because i wanted to move it from under the printer to a separate spot and just to print the electronics case took me um 24 hours so it's just, just you, you have until mid-april that's when coco fest is and that's, <laughs> when, that's when i want to pick them up so between you and alan if, if i if you guys can both bring a few there i'll buy a couple off each of you just to keep it fair if you want doesn't matter to me but i definitely do need some of those kits as long as you don't mind orange. <laughs> it's The stuff that's going inside the case, what would I care? Oh, I, I could give an option, then. I've got about eight different colors of filament, so uh, let's take that, David. Oh, okay, in that case, I'll order four plaid sets, then. Um, <laughs> I need to get the quad the ones that can do the full color printing. Then we can have rainbow parts for our color computer. Yes. Or at least oh, the three book color bars for the uh, color logo itself, yeah. You know, what I was actually thinking about doing is trying to find a way to uh, build 
a filament um, processing where you can take the old filaments that you have that are the same kind, you know, like PLA, and take all the different um, supports and stuff from the different colors, put them together, and make a whole new filament that's just um, a mishmash of all of your old um, yeah. standoffs to then have a recycled filament. So then you would have multicolored filament. And melt them down and extrude them into a, a cable you know, or wire. Now, um, are these uh, plans? I noticed somebody's been editing the Cocoa Pedia lately and had uploaded uh, links about those. <coughs> or are these all in one place? It sounds like there's multiple people doing the designs. Are these all on some download um, site? Scott Kelly has all three of his designs on Thingiverse because um, I requested him to do this on Facebook. It's like um, everything I've been printing, getting for my printer, I've been getting from Thingiverse as far as the models. And it's like it's an easy source because if you search for candy or joystick, um, you'll now find the button covers for the original Black Beauty. You know, if you break those, the button covers, you can now print those because a gentleman had models up there for those. And now you'll find the two arms and the free float switch, two versions of that, because you'll find Paul Fiscarelli's version and Scott Kelly's. Cool, cool, cool. I'm definitely okay. looking forward to getting some replacement parts because some of my joysticks are getting pretty worn. I figure I could have done better on Donkey King, so. Oh, <laughs> whatever. A musician does not blame his instruments. <laughs> so uh, I, heard, I, heard from the, I heard from the control room, we're going to take a brief commercial, and then we'll be back with the uh, Game On segment. <laughs> We will return after these messages. Baby, there's something I need to talk to you about. Remember when we first met? Everything was so easy and it felt like nothing could stop us. But now, everything is such a struggle. And <laughs> if I'm being honest, you're really starting to show your age. Can I get the check, please? Break up with 512K. Use two megabytes now with Nitros 9 Ease of Use Edition. Ease of use. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com. Hi, I'm Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and other amazing games on the color computer. And you're listening to Stevie Stroh on Coco Talk. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 color computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games. My fellow Americans, Australians, Canadians, Europeans, and all of you ands, I'm calling on all y'all 
to help us make the world great again by visiting the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a color computer 3 that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a, a deluxe travel mug like this with the cocoa talk logo on it you might even be able to get yourself a dvd like this with over two hours of gameplay goodness it is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and cocoa nostalgia so please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer thank you very much Coco 2 has got personality, lots of practicality, fun, it's sensational, learn, it's educational. Coco 2 is expandable, so easily commandable. It's programmable, so term is diagrammable. Just you and Coco 2 do what you want to do. Coco 2, the color computer with personality from Radio Shack. Sale price for Christmas giving from $149.95. Radio Shack's Coco 2, do what you want to do. Just you and Coco 2. Tired of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey Controller Switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at CocoMan.biz. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Legend says, when the moon is full, if you go out in the country by the lake and whisper the name of Nick Marota three times, his spirit will appear and he will grant you a product idea. We now return you to Coco Talk. <laughs> and before we go on to game on, we have a very special Coco thoughts. Let's hear from Mr. Samuel Gimes. And now Coco thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I tried Doodlebug. Worst drawing program ever. Now, on <laughs> and now, game on with Nick Marotta and El All right, welcome to the game on segment. Are we gonna are we gonna start off with the uh, last week's challenge, Curtis? Sure. All right. So, last week, as we all know, was Doodlebug, and I'm happy to say that the number of participants went up this week from last. Last week we had 11, and this week we had 17 people take place, which is fantastic. So, in alpha order of their uh, nicknames, we had Ben Drakes, Board of Car, who is John from Amigos Retro Gaming, Bryza, Buck Owens, Jacob Moore, son of, of D. Bruce Moore, just Mike, Ken Reichardt, L. Curtis Boyle, Lee, Mark B., Mr. Dave6809, uh, Yours Truly, OG Stevie Stroh, Robin Min, Terry Stegey, Tom C., 
and Wayne Campbell, Wayne C.A. And Nick, so thank can, you can all I, for submitting your scores. Can you uh, can you do a special highlight for Ben Drake's? Because I don't think I have him in my graphic. So if you could just uh, talk about his score, and I apologies to Ben. <laughs> oh sure, yes. So we had a couple of uh, late entries. We had uh, well, we had Ben Drake's at sixteen three twenty, and we had Rob Inman at twenty three. Yeah. For some reason, I, I managed to get my score in, into the graph. Oh, for some reason. How funny is that? How funny is that? <laughs> no the conflict guy of interest video there. was able to get his name. That's okay. So anyway, yeah, so thank you. Thank you, Ben, for your entry of, of 16320 uh, this morning. Okay. And we're going we're gonna to roll the challenge, uh, the challengers and the top ten in reverse order. Um, now, I, I did add system sound, so people should be able to hear you, um, but you never know. But anyway, um, here are the high scores now. Yes, he did very well this week. Mr. Dave. Mr. Dave is it. Mr. Dave, the inspiration for this. Uh... Forget about it. Stevie did all right. Made it past level one. He's up there. Number three, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota. That's right, because once again, Al Curtis jumped in and jumped ahead of me at the last minute. While while he was just, yeah, while he had five minutes to spare. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think I'll be next. Okay, my work here is done. (laughs) I'm going to start taking it personally, Curtis. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, he uh, you know, septupled my score, so I got absolutely stomped. 622,718. Yeah. Is there a particular address you poke for them? Are, are you sure he didn't just edit the picture? That'll be one of the tips we talk about. That does, does not involve Photoshop. Well, have that as a tip, uh, Curtis, or do I, or we uh, mention that? I wanted to mention one other thing, too. Like, we were in, in Discord, we were posting some of the old Rainbow scoreboard scores to see what you know people back in the day were getting and the second place one and there was actually my cousin eugene and i actually watched him play the game he placed there and he had over two million so wow. it's it's definitely done without cheating you can you can get six hundred thousand. do they even have digits for that i'm trying to remember if it wrapped over i honestly don't remember if it wrapped at six digits or not but i was there when he played it and it took him like a good you know hour and a half two hours to play 16 uh, well we saw the school that one we saw the screenshot for Buck Owens, and uh, and uh, his showed all six digits, so definitely had at least that. And that's his real name, Buck Owens, legendary country artist. Yes. Now, as far as tips and tricks go, I, I I'll, I'll bow to mind being at the end again. Um, what did you guys find when you guys were playing it? All the other people that took place or took part, I should say. Um, what did you guys find as strategies or tips or tricks or anything you guys discovered? Don't get killed. <sighs> I liked using the deluxe joystick the best. And I kind of, there was a, there was a uh, tip out there to get the hearts as soon as possible. I kind of preferred to clear the dots out around from the, uh, 
whatever I call that little ghost pen there uh, first. So I kind of concentrated on the middle of the board while I had time before the first bug came out. And then uh, I went and got the hearts and that. So that seemed to work for me. Are you seeing that Terry's complaining there too, uh, Nick, <laughs> in the chat? Yeah. And I, I realize I made a I made a terrible mistake this week. I've I've been I've been playing Megabug. <laughs> <laughs> I said Terry Stiggy's name. Oh, you did. In the in the honorable mentions, yes. You'll have to go back go back and check the tapes, Dave, oh. Terry, and then you can apologize to me. What was the I score? just remember that's part three of the of this episode, not the first two. The name, the, the episode, so nice. We started it thrice. Hey. Anybody else have any tips and tricks that they want to mention? Somebody else said the deluxe joysticks work the best too. So I'm a rule. I did not like the gamepad at all for this game. I started off with that because I figured that'd be really awesome, but I did not like the gamepad probably because of the of the. I don't know. I found that the. Um, if you let go, the proclivity of the game to go right really threw me off. And for some reason, I found that the deluxe joystick was just better for me. And that's kind of ironic because the game is old enough. It came out in 82 from Computerware that uh, the deluxe joystick didn't exist. All we had was Black Beauties back then. So that's what all the high scores in Rainbow were based on. Yeah, I, liked, I didn't like the Black Beauty either for some reason. Yeah, for, uh, for some reason, the deluxe just really felt right for me on this one. Wayne Campbell says his uh, hint and tip is don't use a keyboard with half keys for up and down. Uh, I can probably yes. agree with that. <laughs> I did mine in VR in um, XROAR using the keyboard on my Mac, but it's got full size arrow keys. And that was hard trying to steer that right. thing with the arrow keys. It was like, it has trouble registering two or three keys at once. If I'm trying to switch a you know, direction real quick. So sometimes it would pick up one of them and just go one way and not, not both. So you'd have a way of overshooting sometimes. You want to go up and you go left or whatever. Yeah, or run into something or or you're trying to get one of the letters and you miss it because you you yeah. went the other direction out of the two you picked and it uh, didn't get the letter the right color. And the button makes you stop. Unlike in the game, in the arcade game, centering a joystick would make you stop. But in uh, Doodlebug, pressing Yeah, that was a bit of an odd design choice because you could stop in the arcade game, right? You could just... Yep. Pop the joystick in the middle. I verified uh, that in MAME uh, with the arcade ROM, and yes, you can. I, I will stop. have to see if I can get a hold. Like I did get a hold of the original author David Crandall years and years ago for the Coco Games site, and you know, there's an email from him if you guys want to read it. He actually gave me some of his unreleased games that you can download there too. Um, but I would like to find out why he decided to make it so that you could not stop except using the button. Like why did he pick the button mechanic to cause a stop rather than the center? I mean, aside from the fact we didn't have auto centering joysticks, maybe he thought that was easier. I'm, I'm not maybe. sure. Maybe. So you wouldn't have to guess where the dead zone is, maybe. I don't know. But I would have preferred that red zone. Any other tips and tricks from anybody else before I go on to my little spiel about it? I noticed that Aaron at the Amigos, um, who actually had a Coco when he was a kid, was too chicken to actually you know put up a score himself. Oh, there. He let Mo do all the work for him this week. Too little shade there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Actually, Aaron said this is just not his game. It's not his bag, but I, I guess for for both John Schaller, it's it's it is his bag. And he actually he played it like the very first night after the uh, contest for what the game was was announced, and his score stood for a couple of days. And he's I mean he always only had a Coco since the December. He's never touched one before, you know, two months ago. So to get that that high of a score and maintain the lead for a couple of days, it was pretty impressive. Yep. 
Anyway, nobody else has any more tips or tricks here. I'll mention a few that I know. <laughs> Hold my well, some of these are pretty obvious, too. <laughs> uh, first of all, you should steer around the maze each time the screen refreshes and get all the white hearts first, period. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about killing bugs. Don't worry about getting letters or anything else because that will maximize your score. You know, it, it multiplies it by two, three, then five times. So that third one actually gives you an extra boost in score. You get 50 dots per dot, 50 points per dot that you get versus 10 or 20 or whatever. So it makes a huge difference on your scores if you're going for scores. Um, try to spell extra and special. Extra will give you an extra man and it's blue. Well, if you're using the colors that match your arcade, red will be special, blue will be extra. Depending if you have a cooker one and two, how you hit them, many times you want to hit reset, it'll you know, swap those two colors, obviously. Um, but special will give you a full complement of men. So if you start the game with six men and you spell special, then you get six more. Basically, is how that works. So that you 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 can last a really long time. And the person Buck that actually did win the challenge, that's that he, he managed to do that, from what I understand, and that's how he yep. managed to get his score so high. Yep. Cool. Um, the next step, and this is the one that I kind of talked to Stevie about when he was doing one of his live streams this past week, uh, from chat. Now the, the color cycling for the, the letters and the hearts always goes through the same pattern. It's red very briefly, blue for a little bit longer then white for a long time cycles back. So it's a predictable pattern. It never changes from that. But the second thing is, is that most of the time, now, on depending on the level, like it, there's four parts. You probably noticed it says part. It's basically the level number that's above the timer on the left-hand side of the screen. And I don't know if, Nick, if you wanted to fire up and kind of show this, we can kind of show it at the same time so we can, people can see what I'm talking about. But uh, basically the timer that you've got. Oh, I can't if you're sharing sound. Okay. All right. So we'll just kind of talk over the thing so you guys can see what's going on. Okay. Okay, should see it. So you see where it says right under the Doodlebug logo, it says part one. <coughs> That's basically the level you're on. And basically that level will do two things. It'll change the shape of the bug, like what type of a bug you're dealing with in that particular one. And I think it wraps at four, if I remember. And it also will change the amount of time you have in the timer bars. And those are those white blocks in the lower left. And they basically count down. The original arcade game, it actually went around the perimeter of the, the screen. So <laughs> on most of the levels, um, at least every, every second time, the color change will happen as soon as that bar starts over. So when you hear that dee 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 at the end when the bug's about to come out, the very last one of those is when, if you're sitting right beside a letter and you want to get it when it's red, then you you hold off until you hear that last of those tones go when it's about to release the bug, then you go. Now, on some levels, depending on the timer, because the timer varies depending which part number you're on, on some of them, it'll be every two timer or every two releases of the bugs, every two of the neener, neener, neener sounds, as Stevie calls them. Neener, neener. <laughs> so every two of those, you'll have to see. So you have to just play it a little bit and kind of keep an eye on it. Uh, as to when it triggers, but uh, most of the time it's actually every every time. But when you time it that way, then you can get the red. As soon as you let go on that last tone, you'll get it red every time. Blue gives you enough time that if you're beside it, you just wait a second or two and then it'll be blue. And white, of course, is what it is most time. You can tell when it's going to change from white to red when you start getting that tone of the do-do-do-do-do-do. Then you know that it's about to change to red. So if you're trying to get a white heart and you're a little bit further away, maybe hold off until it cycles through the colors again. 
And that's that's the critical one. Like I remember when I used to play this back in the day with a joystick rather than X or the keyboard here that I, I could regularly get half a million. Um, I was never as good as my cousin was, but uh, it was pretty easy to get special and extra at least once if you if you learn that timing. So that that's the biggest tip I have on that particular one is there that there is a consistent order of the colors. And if you time it with the sound or with my watching the bars on the left, whichever you prefer, then you can actually time it to get them at the right color. So you can spell those words a lot faster. And that's, that's my tips on it. I don't know if Buck, uh, if I was in a chat or anything here, if he had any further things he wanted to add, but. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear what Buck says, because like I said, my I clear out the middle first and then go for the hearts, but that's because I find the middle is really challenging when the uh, bugs are out, and whereas I tend to have an easier time sticking to the perimeters. So yeah, I, I, have try to, to, I try to get rid of the middle as fast as I can. I, I tend to do that, especially in the later levels too, myself. Um, the other thing I do is, you know, the pickle, as Steve calls it in the middle, I don't know if it's supposed to be a pickle, it's supposed to be a vegetable <laughs> of some sort, but I actually, I pretty well ignore that. If it happens to be that I'm walking by it and it's there and all the bugs are out and there's no bugs right around me, I'll, I'll grab it as a bonus, but I don't go out of my way to get them. I think that's a trap to sucker you into doing a stupid move. So I don't even worry about them. And if you can get the special spelled out and the extra spelled out and you've got three hearts and you're getting 50 points a dot anyway, your, your score will do much better and you'll last a lot longer not worrying about it. So you're saying some things are just not worth going for. Yeah. Well, you, you'll go for it if you happen to be beside it and and, and and the coast is clear, but I wouldn't the, go out of my way for it. The bonus isn't big enough for the risk. Yeah. Though the bonus keeps increasing in points as the game progresses, as, as you get them too. So, I mean, eventually they'll be worth a ton of points. So if you get good enough that you can last, you know, 16 boards or something like that, then it might be worth it. But at the beginning, when you're just trying to get initialized scores, like I was trying to do my brief half hour with it on Friday, that it, to me, it wasn't worth the extra effort or the risk. And I, I mentioned that uh, Aaron in Amigo Games, like he said, he, or Amigo Gamers there, he said that... Uh, He's he's it's just not his bag. He doesn't like the game that much. But he also said that John is great at the arcade game too. So it was probably just like coming back home for him, and which is why he did cool. so well. You know, he only played it for about half an hour or forty five minutes. You know, once in his life, and he you know got up in the sixty thousands already. So, Dave and Sharon, uh, I'm not sure which one of the two is speaking here, but says I leave a dot near the larva so I can grab it and end the map quickly. And can can make it says the color for the special letters, the red ones, lasts about three nanoseconds. Yes. <laughs> it's a little bit longer than that. Once once you get that timing with the sound down pat, you can get it every time. It's not even hard. So as long as you're right beside it when you when you let go of the button. It just takes a bit point five nanoseconds. <laughs> a bit longer. Well, now for the panelists, very valuable. We can hear you. Hey, it's, uh, I just got back from my Rage Quit Anonymous meeting. I just want to say that. How are you feeling there, Stevie? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, keeping the Tandy Flame alive. Uh, I, just want, I just wanted to give like my two cents on the game, too, because um, you guys were talking about how Aaron said this maybe wasn't his game. You know, and when when uh, Nick first announced this, too, I wasn't really excited about the notion of this particular game, but Having played it, I think what this challenge is also doing, not only just getting us playing the games, but it's getting us a little bit more familiar with all the nuances of the game and its logic and stuff like that. So I, I think when you spend like focused time, you, you learn things about the game and 
sadly, sometimes even about yourself, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) And isn't that really what's important? Yeah, learning to rage quit properly. I think that's what you've primarily learned here, so. Yeah. No, I mean, the the whole timing thing and, you know, this game is really clever. Honestly, um, obviously the original, but and then and the Coco clone as well. But it's one of the few times where I would almost say that a, a clone of, of an arcade game is pro- possibly better than the original because I like this better than Pac Man. Well, have you played the original Ladybug? In the Ladybug. I probably have, but not extensively, you know. Yeah, it wasn't ever as popular as, as Pac Man, obviously. So but it's really clever, and the 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 the, the, the dynamics of it, the, the turnstiles, really change the game on you. You know? Yeah. Well, we were discussing this, I think, on the Amigos channel at one point. Um, I think this is probably one of the very first deformable terrain, as they're called, where you can actually affect the play field itself in the game. And okay. the turnstiles, basically, you're redoing the entire map of the maze. So I think right. it is one of the first. Right. And well, another one... Similar to this was Mousetrap. Mousetrap had four different colored buttons that you could use to open and close doors. So similar concept, but harder to implement because you had multiple buttons to press. Yeah, that one required too much thinking for my my book. Yeah. So Steve Rasmussen, he's he's um, he's Buck Owens, right? Is he? Yeah, I think. Okay. His main goal was to get the hearts first and then the letters in the proper color as soon as he could. Yeah, and that's pretty well what I was doing too. So just yeah, not anywhere near as successfully. <laughs> I believe Steve Rasmussen is Buck Owens, and if not, I, I apologize, but I believe I've seen Yeah, I gotta tell you, I enjoyed playing the game, but then I also got to a point where I figured, you know what, my score is probably not gonna get much better. I've spent enough time on this. Uh, you know, I, I got a respectable score, but I am not going to kill myself, you know. <laughs> um, but I think the, at the end of the day, it's really about having fun and getting people involved. And I'm glad to see that we have a lot more people involved this week. Um, I, I don't know if you've announced it yet, uh, what the next game is going to be. No, nope. nope. it will be very um, shortly. And, and I know that one of the things that Bruce Moore was hoping is that, you know, if we don't do it this time or maybe we make this more... Um, we speak about it more consciously. We really want to focus on how many people play the game versus what the scores are. So we did what I think you mentioned. We had 17 this week versus 11 yes. last week. Yes. I'd love to see those numbers increase week after week, just getting more people involved playing their Cocoa. That's really the high score is how many people hey. doing it playing the game. You know, yep. um, There's one thing I want to add. Um, we're, we're kind of doing this week to week, right? Yes. On, yeah. on Atari age, they're, a high score competition they sign up for the year and then your score the place you were in for the game counts towards points towards the total at the end of the year so it may not be a game that's your favorite but if you put up you know enough points to get a somewhere on the board um where you score points then it counts for the end of the year so it kind of encourages you to play games that you're maybe not so good at kind of like a decathlon mm. <laughs> yeah then at kind the like end of the year you Stevie. get a new car <laughs> matchbox <Yeah. laughs> <Hot Wheels. laughs> matchbox <Hot Wheels. laughs> yeah, a new lamborghini 
diecast model. <laughs> All right. So, if anybody else have anything we're talking about with this, or we might want to. Yeah, one thing Steve Steve Rasmussen said in the chat here says the cool thing about this version is the turnstiles can push the enemies. If you tried that on the CV version or arcade, you will die. So wait, you can ditch the enemies? Is it possible to lose them? Well, you can push the turnstile and force the bug to move wherever you're pushing the turnstile to get them out of your way. And I guess the arcade version, you can't. But once the enemy's on your tail, he's following you into the turnstile. If he's right on you, then yeah, you have to get all the dots to get away from dying. Which in real life... I don't think that would happen. Try to get two people into a revolving door, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of did that at Coco Fest, didn't it's not we? Pretty. One entry, so. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, everybody who took part. And we reiterate, it's not about the score. Just play, have fun. And uh, that's really what we're trying to do is just, uh, you know, have a nice I do want to make one out. quick comment. Um, I want to try and encourage Aaron on 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 their network here to try and encourage more of their uh, their viewers to come and join in too. Like I know him and and both will both join in on certain games. Like they played Donkey King and and John played uh, Doodlebug. But I'd really like to encourage them to help encourage their other viewers that have Cocos or have gotten into Cocos with emulators, etc., to to join in. I know quite a few of them do game reviews and stuff, and I know some of them have been too busy to do it lately, but. I'd like to see more of their more of their people kind of join in too. As I know they got some great game players over there. It'd be fun to, you know, have this friendly competition with everybody. Yeah, I mean, we'll replay the the uh, the high scores as after you know, before we go to commercial just so people can see them again, but you'll notice that it says uh, challengers instead of winners and it li- it will list all the participants no matter how many we have. Cool. Uh I thought I had two um Maybe and for the Coco Fest is that we could have a game set up and people could actually play high scores during the Coco Fest. If they want to sit there and play. We could have a we game. We did that for a, bit, a little bit the last one. We actually had a whiteboard up that people were writing scores on because I remember I played a Zaxxon score and then Jacob work you know kicked my butt literally ten minutes later. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till we play Nightmare Highway and then you could win a uh, sofa cover. I'm waiting for the Valentine's Love Seat edition myself, but well, there'll be the Coco Fest special edition with the power of Terry. All right, guys. A surprise, I... being a free copy of Nightwear Highway. <laughs> Autograph. All right. I think yeah. we're going to wrap this up because we have more show to do. So we, uh, I'm going to announce the next game, uh, which will be. Drum roll. Stella Lifeline. Right? <laughs> Buzzard bait. No. <laughs> Draconian. This is a good one. Cool. This is a different genre. We've done a platformer and we've done a uh, maze game. So now we're going to do a shooter. So Draconian shall be. And this is loosely based, well, fairly closely based in some ways, on Bosconian from the arcade. The, the maps are pretty well identical. Some of the gameplay mechanics are identical, but there are some nuances on the Coco version that actually I think make the game better. Yeah, absolutely. So again, uh, start any time until uh, and and then before the show next week. Uh, now, put your screenshots up. Now, Curtis, we'll... since Yo. since the announcement, have you already scored over a hundred thousand while we've been uh, in the last uh, five seconds? No, this is going to be another <laughs> last minute to see if I even get a chance to play because of work. Okay. Uh, he was just sneaking in this to beat me and his work. He works be better under pressure. 
<laughs> I'm taking it totally personally, Curtis. I'm sorry, but I know it is. Well, if you guys would just be, you know, better players, it wouldn't be a big deal. You know, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for uh, for this part of the game on segment. And you had some things to talk about, Curtis? Or? Yeah, I do. I was just going to ask if uh, you guys want a commercial break before I hit the gaming news part of the game on segment or do we um, want to go straight yeah, let's uh let's just uh, recap the winners again for the last yes. week's challenge and uh then we'll come back with uh game on part two. Oh, let me stop sharing sorry uh yes right. let me share my system sound for the people is, on the page. is that game coco two it is yes it is 32k coco one and two required and joysticks okay but it works in the Coco 3, and it works... Oh, oh, there's a version called Coco, uh, called Draco 3. Do not run that one, because it's been uh, high-speed poked. And I want, want everybody to play the same version. So play the normal speed Draconian. And there was, there was a comment in the chat that maybe we want to talk about after the commercial, Curtis, about the Coco 3 not having a lot of um, software ports for it, and... Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, we can discuss that. I'll, I'll, we'll cover that before I hit the news part. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's uh, look at the high scores one more time uh, and commercial, and we'll come right back with Game On. Extended Color Basic, combined with a disc controller, brings you Disc Extended Color Basic. Direct access to your floppies. Direct access to all of your hardware resources. Deck B on your color computer. Deck B washes away the competition. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Coco Talk.
Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness gameplay Color Computer goodness. Gaming DVD today, gameplay head on over goodness. to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring Color Computer Gameplay videos by the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Hey, this is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroke. Only the bravest souls enter. Only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter, stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. For the tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. I guess first of all, we'll cover the uh, the statement by um, who is it? C Drive in the uh, chat room. I like that ending, that handle, by the way. <laughs> Format. No, I'm just kidding. By C. So he was uh, saying that he was, you know, he was eager to grab a Coco Three, but they're getting so expensive, and there are very few games ported to utilize anywhere improved hardware. I agree with half that statement. They are getting harder and harder to get to get one, and they they are getting expensive. Uh, eBay's just going nuts with them. So uh, definitely, that is true. Um, as far as the quantity of games available, I mean, there's there's several hundred titles available for the Coco 3 that uniquely use the Coco 3 hardware, and there's more stuff coming out, Gunstar, Digger 3, etc. So I I think the library is growing. Um, there's actually more official ports uh, on the Coco 3 than there was in the Coco 1 and 2, because that's when Tandy finally started paying attention to getting official licenses. Um, so that's when we've got stuff like Super Pitfall and Rampage and, you know, Arkanoid, that kind of thing. which was really awesome. And Predator. <laughs> Well, we won't mention that one. But anyway, <laughs> Robocop, really? you know, Rad Warrior. So I, there are a lot of good games for it, and uh, people are learning the hardware more nowadays too, like Chet and Nick and a few others are starting to really push the limits on on the game front. We've had John Kowalski and a few others pushing it you know, on demos and stuff before. So I think we're going to start seeing even better games coming out uh, for it. And on, on my side of things, I mean, we're trying to speed up uh, Baseco 9 and the graphics subsystem in Nitrous 9 so that you'll be able to run some fairly decent quality graphics at fairly decent speeds for stuff you want to just write in basic yourself. So I'm hoping that we will see more games there too. And we've seen a couple of pretty good examples there too, like the Shanghai by Sean Driscoll that's on the Ease of Use Beta 4 that you guys can try. It's actually a pretty decent Shanghai. Um, doesn't quite run as quick as uh, Rick's does, but it's 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 a pretty decent effort for, for a basic program. So I, I would say the Coco 3, is, if you can find one for a decent price and get it, um, I would still get one. It's easy to and cheap to upgrade to, you know, two mega RAM and a six three nine. So you can play absolutely everything. But uh, yeah, they are getting hard to get and expensive to get when you can find one. So 
it's a sad, sad state of affairs, at least until Ed comes out with his, you know, Coco 3 clone later on after the Gimme X project's done. Yeah, that's really cool. We're all looking forward to that. Yeah. I don't think there's a, and it's not a product out there that none of us do look forward to. It's, it's all pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Now, Nick, kind of going along the question there about, you know, Coco 3 games and how many there were type of thing. How often do you plan on peppering in Coco 3 only games on on the game on Spotlight segment? Nick Marotta? I'm sorry. Were we asking me? I was reading the chat. Were you asking me? <laughs> he saw something shiny. I was about to answer a question. You had one job. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say because there is a, a bit more limited, you know, uh, number of Coco Three only games at this point. How often do you plan on peppering in a Coco Three only game on the Game On Spotlight? Oh, I was actually hoping to get one in next week. Um, I figure maybe one one out of every one out of every four or five uh, would be a okay. Coco that should balance out pretty well. And we've got some Dragon stuff too that we can throw in on the Coco One and Two side too. So we've done this will be three Coco two games that we've done. So I figure probably next week is a good time to do a Coco three game. Okay. I also like the fact I will say that uh, you surprise me each week with what the next game is because you don't tell me ahead of time either, which is cool. That's because I don't want yeah. you to. Pro- well, I don't need practice, but uh, I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, if you could not listen to the show until like Thursday, <laughs> that would be even better. <laughs> like I just did now. You know, I wasn't really listening to you, so. If you could do the same thing. Uh, yeah, but I'm used to that with my segment. I mean, Stevie nods off whenever I talk about Nitrous 9, so. C-Drive was lamenting that Coco 3s are going for $700 US. And that's not true. You can find them much cheaper than that. Yeah, you, usually uh, it's about the two to 300 range two these two days right now. People yeah. dream and want to ask seven hundred dollars because they think, oh, it's old, it's valuable. But no, you can find it for much less. It, the only way I would pay for seven hundred is if it comes with a ton of hardware and software with it. Like it'd have to be some huge bundle deal with like you yeah. know RGB monitors and hard drives and all kinds of stuff. So, Someone but you should be able to get them on you, two to three hundred. I would say. Someone bought uh, a Coco Three yesterday in the U.S. for ninety nine cents. Canada, actually, but yeah, Canada was it? Okay, yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, I thought I got a. I thought I got a good deal. Yeah, that's only like 80 cents or 75 cents Canadian. So that's, or American. So that's really cheap. Yeah, that was an outlier though. By the way, people may not know this, but when, if you use eBay, if you search for something like Coco 3 or Tandy Color Computer 3, and then check on the left side where it says finalized uh, auctions, basically, you'll get an idea of what things actually sold for. Rather than the asking price, yeah. which some people right. are insane yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah, that 99 cents too, that uh, the one on there, that's about $3,000 Australian. Plus, I know some people in, in our, our panel here have actually had good luck finding them at, you know, thrift shops and stuff, too. So every once in a while, you can just luck out and find one or, you know, even a local ad in a, you know, Craigslist or a newspaper or something. Sometimes people are getting rid of stuff. You can get them really cheap because they have no idea what they sell for on eBay because they don't even follow eBay. Or one just walks right past you at VCF Midwest uh, filled with soap powder. But for $5, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> that was a Coco Three you got for the five bucks. Yes, it's a, a Coco Three. Yep. Oh wow! Uh, no, I thought it, for some reason I thought it was a Coco One or Two. So no, it had a broken power switch and a key switch installed. It was pretty. It was pretty well roached, but I was able to uh, bring it back to life and it's it. up and yeah. running. Yeah. And I just and left the lift the key switch in there for a conversation piece. 
cool. And Nick Marotta, I just want to point out that Jason's already got Draconian fired up, so he's going way ahead of me and you're on, 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 trying to beat your score. <laughs> That's okay. I'm the, any, I'm the anyone but Curtis camp, so I don't like to <laughs> <laughs> Talking of the high scores, I've got a little bit of interesting trivia there. Um, um, the, the music, the very first music track in the high score presentation thing that you, you guys just did, um, I recognized that straight away. Um, there's uh, a whole bunch of cassettes here that I've been going through in my archives. Some of them I've had for, you know, 45 years or more. <laughs> Some of them are nearly as old as me. Um, and on one of those cassettes, one from the late 80s, I think it was, when I was working as a repair tech, um, there's a, uh, a CD that I absolutely loved at the time. It was a sound effects CD, and it was called The Hollywood Edge. Um, and straight away, that music track, I, I recognized that. as like, oh, yeah, that's we Hollywood use The Hollywood Edge, Edge in our radio productions. Yeah, yeah. So I recognized it straight away. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I'd only just archived that cassette, that, that cassette, The Hollywood Edge stuff on it. I literally had only just archived and digitized the stuff off that, that cassette, which I've had here for decades, literally a week ago. So it was uh, it was kind of a bit of a blast hearing that, and it was like, well, that's interesting timing. And Nick, you're still doing your presentation of what you picked up in a recent thing here after the game on segments done, correct? Yes, I got a nice, uh, I got a very nice uh, haul. Nice, well, nice price for what I got, absolutely for sure. Like I, so yes. Okay, we'll get into that as soon as the game on segments done. So. Um, I guess I will get ready for... Oh, I have to wait for somebody to stop sharing first for I can... Also, I'm to find my window. Here we are. Can you see that? Certainly can. Okay, so first up, um, the Cocoa Crew's got their programming contest uh, for Cocoa Fest here. And Jay Searle is actually participating in it, and he's been doing his video blogs of it. And he's put three up this week alone on this this project that he's doing, which is an isometric game. And because he's already on part three, I'm not going to play the mark and you put the links. You can kind of follow the progress of it of the first two parts. Well, we'll just do a little bit on the third part here. All right. Hello, everyone. This is. Uh, can you guys hear that, or is it too quiet? Uh, this is going to be my update. Little video quiet. Yeah. For uh, progress with my isometric. Farming game for uh, my entry into the Coco Fest. Contest oh, fast forward a little bit here so you can kind of see. Out isometric. Uh, here he goes in the technical details of how to do isometric, so isometric kind of the 3D angular view and how to get that his playboard will be using correctly. Um, and he starts going through pallets, and you but, know, uh, we've kind of discussed this before the composite know, versus RGB um, controversy. Why the so heck didn't they make them the same? Using <laughs> the uh, MAME composite. Was that a past Coco talk? I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear that. They're still. Um, but here's what it says: current gameplay looks like. So you're basically it's like a farmland game the, where you're planting tomatoes, melons, pumpkin gourds, etc. So that's the play field, and now he's got the text. He's got his own custom font for it. Doing, but uh, yeah, running obviously in a Coco three mode. So here's you know for, for C drive. Here's another Coco so three game see, coming the, up. Uh, Coco three only. You in the upper left hand nice. corner has Minecraft changed, for Coco uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah. What I have now is the green background, which represents just general grass color. Um, and then each pixel... Or anyway, I won't play the whole thing, but it's, it's pretty fun watching him go through this, this and he's discovering how the Coco 3 stuff works and also planning the, the game itself. Which are representing, um, um, like I'm very interested to see, because if he gets it done by the fest, we should be able to be able to see it at the fest, too. So that'll be another game announcement at the fest, I guess. 
You're going to name it Bloomberg? You'll have to ask Jane. I, I have no idea what he's going to call it. I don't think we have any uh, games like that for the Coco, uh, where you grow grow stuff. I noticed that on a lot of other platforms, they have those games. Yeah, I mean, we have we have some maps games where you do stuff like this, but they're usually the war-style games where you're planting troops and tanks and spaceships and whatever. There's a few of those, but hey, no, nothing like this. Yeah, and to give you a point, Curtis, on this, um, a friend of mine got me sucked into the Farmville world, and this kind of game would be kind of cool to be able to just sit and play. I never did get sucked into the Farmville thing. I know a lot of my friends were into it, but I just, nah. Farmville. Hey, Curtis, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, I don't think that the uh, Coco Cruise Coco Challenge is just a programming challenge. I think it's kind of like Retro Challenge where you can do any project you want. Uh, it's just focused on Coco itself. So I, I think you could you could do hardware or other things, too. Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks for the correction. I think I, because I've only seen software offered so far, it's you're participating. That's why I thought it was software. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's oh. how I explained it. I think he said it's kind of like Retro Challenge, which means you can pretty much do any project you want. It's just Coco Focus, so it's like Coco Challenge. Okay, cool. Well, if I see any, the, any hardware projects coming up based on this, I'll, I'll make sure to mention the news in the future, too. So, hey, Thanks for the correction. But now we get into the, uh, the weekly Jim Gary specials. And he's been a busy little beaver this last week. <laughs> um, the first one here is a port of the Secret of Flagstone Manor text adventure. Now, Nick Morenti's may be able to help me with this, because apparently this game was supposed to be the first natively written text adventure game in Australia on any platform from 1981. Never saw it. Don't know. <laughs> and apparently it was first done, I think, on a Model 1 or something. So I don't know if you remember that from your yeah, one days. I don't. I don't re remember seeing it. No. Maybe it was in a magazine or something. Was it? Or was it a My understanding game? was it was commercial, but but you could be. Not something I remember either. From, no. Uh, back in well, the day. Yeah. Well, back in the day, there weren't really very many commercial companies in Australia as such. Um, but maybe it was in a magazine. I don't know. Okay, I just thought it was kind of cool. I mean, it's just porting a text adventure game, which I mean, Jim's done lots, but having something that supposedly is the first natively written in an Australia game, that's that's kind of a nice little milestone to see. So I figure you, if we ever do a, an adventure game challenge, you two should kick our butts here because it's, you know, we might have some Australian parlance we don't understand or something. When did, <laughs> when did he write it? 81. 81, okay. That's because I did an adventure game in 82. So yeah, just before that. I don't know. 81 is kind of late for that. I not, Apparently not in Australia, though. I guess they might have bought games like Zork and the original Colossal Cave and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. this was actually written in Australia by an Australian from what he was explaining. Well, the the TRS-80 was available in Australia from 78, I think. Yeah, and the yeah, pet was, too. I think the Apple II I mean, was. and. Yeah, so there were a few earlier years. I mean, I didn't get my Model 1 until 1980. So, yeah, it, probably were people creating software before that. Yeah, there were already catalogs of stuff in the U.S. Yeah, and there was yeah. lots of text adventure games, the whole Scott Adams line, and, you know, the early Infocom. And... Kind of... But if, well, this is supposedly the one that started the text adventure industry in Australia, so that's why I kind of picked that as a one to talk a little bit extra oh, yeah. on. 
It's okay. probably really easy for something like that to escape my radar because I was never really that much into text adventure games. So I probably, you know, even if it did come out and it was there in a catalogue, I probably wouldn't have really paid much attention to it. So I'm not really a very good gauge for that. Yeah. Anyway, that was an interesting piece of trivia, if it's true. Next up, he does a, a port of the shoplifting boy game, which is thought to be one of the very first stealth games. So he's going for firsts here this week. And this is ported from the PC 6001. And he's also using it as an entry in the upcoming 2020 Coco Fest Asimov Awards, which I think is Diego's awards thing, if I remember correctly, which is basically programming games for the Coco. But this one makes use, use of a low-res text mode and uh, some you know, low-res graphics, but it actually looks pretty pretty cool. And so, uh, the original game was based in 1979 on the PC-6001, so that even predates Coco. But basically, you're running between these aisles here, and you're the guy with the O-hat. The at-hat is like the copper guard or whatever it is, and you have to grab all the dollar signs, the money, from the shelves without getting seen, because then you get caught. Because money's on shelves. <laughs> I thought he, he did a pretty cool low-res animation of the Gingo guys walking around and stuff. So, and Of course, you got a timer as well. I'd never seen this game before on any platform, so it's kind of an interesting one. And if it is one of the first stealth games ever done, that's an, another historical one. And then speaking of the Asimov Awards... Um, he's making a game disc with multiple games for the awards. Um, he did some minor updates to some of his games. You can see a screen that lists some of them here. So he's done some minor tweaks on a couple of them. Um, and he's got you know quite a few here listed. And then the actual uh, one that actually really tweaked me, and a couple people mentioned this in the chat earlier, uh, both on Discord and here, is his port of Outhouse to the MC-10 <laughs> level machine. <laughs> I better mute that because I don't know if that's copyrighted music or not. But you get to shoot at the H for humans <laughs> coming to steal your toilet paper. And this all came up because I, I know Nick, you probably saw this too, but there was um, what's the guy that was doing the low res semi graphics adventure game that you were helping write the graphics editor for? Uh, Erico. Yeah, Erico was actually doing some designs of a, a, a semi graphics outhouse style game with you know fancy backgrounds and stuff, and that's kind of what inspired Jim Gary to, to pick Oops, up. Oops, hang on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Are you playing Doodlebug? That sounds so familiar. I just turned it on. Hang on. <laughs> I think you're a little late, Nick. Uh, the results are already in. I'm just making the fa the uh, Photoshop. Uh... <laughs> oh, no, yes. Too late. Too late. Contest closed. Now, you, you said Draconian's the next one. Okay, I shouldn't load up Draconian. There you go. All right, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a pretty interesting implementation of Outhouse, you know, done in low res, which is MC10 compatible, so... Now, one thing that was cool is that on this one, he mentioned that he's entering this also into the contest, and then he also has a link, and this is done by um, Homepaterium, and it's their 2020 Basic 10-Liner Contest. Now, we've I think we've covered this in previous years. They have a couple different subcategories, like single statement per line or 80-character maximum per line. Uh, you can stuff it to 255 as a different level, and then you can do weird packing tricks and stuff like that. And they've got quite a few entries in already. So we've got one from the MCSX. We've got one here for the Sinclair Spectrum. 
one for the Metallic Aquarius, Coco 2, that's not done by Jim Gary. Um, another one for the Spectrum, Atari 800XL, Commodore 64. There's a Jim Gary, Aaron Vader's. Jim Gary with his uh, Santa one. This Lava one is actually for the Spectrum. Though the palette looks very Coco-ish. Another Commodore 64, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, MSX, C16 Plus 4, Atari 800XL, VIC-20. So there's a wide variety of machines competing this and all, all doing games in, you know, just a f 10 lines of basic or less. And some look original, some are kind of cloning. This out and run looks, looks pretty cool. It's, it's in the extreme 256 oh, wow. category. So I'm not sure. I think that's one where you can maximize the line. You can even edit it to handle extra characters beyond the 255 once it's, uh, you know, tokenized, et cetera, too. So that might be one that's really pushing the 10 line to its limit, but it looks pretty impressive. So anyway, anyway if any of you guys are interested in entering that contest, too, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of Coco entries by a couple of different people already. So feel free to add to it. I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for this. This is the uh, VTech uh, VZ200-300, which actually uses the same VDG chip that the Coco uses, so it'll look very familiar. But I think it used a Z80, if I remember, Nick, because I think we were talking about it before, That's too. This is Z80. Yep, it's a Dick Smith computer. Or well, Dick Smith was selling him. It used a ripoff of the Model 1 ROM, and it hacked for the 6847. Anyway, this is a game writing competition that's been going on for half a decade already, so it's it's definitely been, got some legs to it. And it's good to see we've got you know pretty good Coca representation already with you know Jim Gary and the other guy also doing it, too, so... Definitely keep an eye out for that uh, to see who wins. Maybe Jim will win. This was a cool one, too. Gwyn Major, who actually runs the Color Computer Archive, got an upload of a game that, as far as we know, was advertised. And the game disc image here basically is an advertisement for the game using some graphics from the game. Uh, but it's it's meant as kind of a demo. As far as I know, I, I'd never heard of the game itself, period, before. But as far as I know, I don't think it was ever finished and released. Uh, Nick and I were going through the source code and it was actually written by a guy in Ontario, Canada. Um, I'll just zoom up here. It's Coco 3 only game, obviously. But some nicely done graphics. And it was going to fill four discs. Oh, that perspective's really, really well done. Even does you know the color getting darker as you go in the distance, which I, a lot of the games did not do back then. I think Dagrath probably did it the best, but oh, and that's a Coco three. Yeah. Wow. Eight. Somebody was asking about how long the demo was. Uh, Nick, there wasn't too many rooms in the demo, was there? It's like four or five or something. It's kind of yeah, it's only a few. So it'd be interesting if we see if we can get a hold of the original author, see if he ever did finish it, if he still has it. Or even if he has, still has it in his unfinished state, maybe some of the other graphic gurus here can kind of finish it up and you know get the game finished. I and mean, now that we've got Coco SDC here, you could yeah, just make the image like an 80 track image and instead of four you know single sided discs and actually just have play it off there, or even port it to Nitrous Nine and make it you know 120 meg long on a hard drive and make the thing like thousands of rooms or something. So, but pretty good artistry in the game. I was pretty impressed. And I think Nick, when we looked at the uh, the notes and the comments, this was from 88 or 89 or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's 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 only 89, within a year, yeah. a couple of years of the Coco Three even coming out that he was doing all this. So, hmm. well, that's an older game, an older 
thing. Yeah. It was, oh. it was a demo released in 88 or 89 from what the comments and the, the REMS and the listing does show you. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if you ever did finish it. I don't remember seeing it at Cocoa Fest or Rainbow Fest back in the day, but. Cool. Uh, this is another one. This is from the Dragon Group. Um, Alana Kelly's working on a Dragon 32 basic low-res Pac-Man game, which is, she's also planning on entering into that um, 10 line basic contest we just showed earlier that Jim Gary's entering. She hasn't entered this one in yet. She's still working on it. Uh, but you can kind of see here, she's got the whole Pac-Man and maze set up and it's taking the colored dots out and the ghosts are those little red things, I think. So it's it's a pretty interesting version of Pac-Man. She's going to cram it into 10 lines of basic code. So 10 lines? Yep. And like you said, there's multiple levels of 10 lines. There's 10 lines where you can have a maximum 80 characters per line. There's 10 lines where you can max it out to 256 characters. And then extreme 256 is, I think, when you start using weird you know, packing techniques or maybe assembly. I can't remember. We kind of discussed this in previous years as this contest has been run. Wow. So different so levels be, of it. You'd be using a lot of uh, colons then. To... Yeah. Yeah. yeah be, yep, yep. If you think spaghetti code that most people write is bad, you're wait till you see these <laughs> listings. <laughs> <laughs> standard standard um, ACB is, is 256 characters, I think, isn't it, per line? Yeah, but but if you edit the line after the fact, you can actually get more, because once it tokenizes like print from five characters down to one token byte, you can extend the line and add a few extra bits. Okay. So that's what they, I think the extreme 256, if I remember correctly, that's what that means. Is uh, that you're right, right. packing it, so it's actually, if you list it, it's actually cutting it off because it's bigger than 256, but it's still part of the line. So hopefully we'll be following a progress in that too. There's quite a few Cocoa entries coming in, at least three different people now and, you know, five or six different projects minimum. You know, Jim will probably have five more next week, but. So what was the shorter line? You mentioned a shorter number of characters. What was that? 80, was I think, is the other one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, There's 80, was, 256, and then on? Extreme 256 is, is the three levels I remember. What was the 80? Was that on like non-extended color basic or something, was it? Or? I think they just picked as an arbitrary one. You know, 80 lines, so it's semi-readable if you have an 80-column terminal you're running it on. Oh, okay. Pack. So that was it, it was a it was a figure chosen uh, a, a limit that they deliberately put on the the number of yeah. characters. You, yeah, ten lines yeah, of right, no more okay. than 80 characters each, and then you have ten lines yeah. of 56. And extreme okay, 256, okay. I think, is where you can pack it and do tricks to get a little bit past that. Yeah, right, right. I wonder what text editor that is. It looks pretty cool. Get the uh, syntax highlighting for the basic stuff. Vim. Oh, wow. And actually, her, her comment when somebody asked what editor is that is Vim, of course. What else would I be using? Are you sometimes <laughs> heretic? That's impressive looking. So he's got the, got the color, you know, uh, syntax highlighting and stuff. Yeah, I in. love that. That is really useful for like assembly 6809 stuff. Yeah, I do use that Notepad++ too, even for my stuff. So Nice. Mm -hmm. Same here. Yep. Next up, and I thought this was cool. Uh, I'd not seen anybody do this before. I think the closest I've seen to this before, and I've never done an adventure game, is when I try to do like the big map games like Rad Warrior. I'll try to get screenshots of every single screen and then build the web page so that it actually is organized the same way. We've seen that with Downline before too. But uh, this person here, actually uh, Fred Rike, I'm not sure if that's pronouncing his name right, actually did... Uh, a Coco graphical adventure game where they're actually taking the screenshots from the various rooms and how they loop around. So you can kind of follow the map when you go through, this is one of the Mark data products adventures here. 
um, vortex factor in this particular case. It's probably a little bit hard to read because there's a lot of stuff in here in pretty small pictures, but it kind of explains you know, what you should do and where do you start in the game and whether you got one-way passages you got. Um, in this particular case, there's cartridge colors because you can manipulate the time machine depending on the cartridges you get. So it's kind of a nice map and it's visual too. So you can even just, if you're playing the game next to this, you can recognize the scene you're looking at instantly without having to remember what the heck room am I in and know where you are in the map. I thought that was pretty innovative. I've never seen anybody really do that before for a Coco game. So I would like to see him do more of these. There's a lot of marked data games. There's the uh, data soft games like Dallas Quest and Sands of Egypt. And I wish you'd do something like that for Legend of Zelda, you know, the Zelda clone. That'd be cool to have a whole map of the different yeah. levels and what leads where. That'd be cool. I do have a complete map of Gates of Delirium, which is the DICOM Ultima 2-3 clone. Wow. And there's there's multiple maps. There's dungeon maps. There's the World 1 map, World 2 map, and town maps and everything else. It's extensive. I still have to put that on my website at one of these one of these days here because i downloaded it from whoever did it originally years ago and their site went bye-bye but i actually downloaded the entire thing as an archive so i have the entire thing intact so at some point when i put the gates of delirium entry up there i'll have to link that whole thing in there too so people can see how extensive that map was because it was probably a lot of work to just take screenshot after screenshot and just um map it out like that i would guess well if if it's a a tile-based system like uh zelda is or gates of delirium or seventh link or something like that if you can read the map files and figure out where the tile data is for the actual graphics you can actually just make your own mapping drawing program that just does a whole world at once rather than one screen but you and that's what know, the guy with gates of delirium did but you wouldn't know what led where unless you're actually playing the game and to actually connect all the arrows and show like the paths right well it depends if you make one big honking map of the entire world then it would kind of imply itself like every 16 by 16 block would be a representation of, you know, what, whatever screen you're on or whatever showing where the exits are. And then you could actually make a big map doing it kind of like I did with rad warrior where I just took this. Well, I did screenshots. I didn't actually write the tile thing, but that gauntlet two editor we showed a couple months ago kind of is, is like that. It actually reads the tile map and reads the actual graphics for the tiles. And then just, you know, kind of draws a smaller representation to show you the whole level at once. So there's a couple ways to do it, but yeah. That's clever. <clears throat> Hope to see more of them from Fred, though, because that's a pretty cool one. And he said, it, it kind of you know, cryptically, here's one of the maps I made. So obviously he's done a few more. So I'd like to see the other ones. This just happened this morning. Diego actually released Doc Master, which I incorrectly spelled Doc and Master in my notes for some stupid reason. Don't ask me. <laughs> you can correct that, Mark, before you paste it. No problem. <laughs> so we just we just showed this game last week actually on the show again because he's basically had it basically done so now he's got his web page up you can go in and download it you can download the manual he's got you know screenshots of the various parts of the game the gameplay the little you know bonus screens etc source code if you want to figure out how it works or modify it and he also did a full manual in pdf format which i'll skip to over here so this is the manual and he kind of you know fancied it up with some radio shack logos and stuff in there too And he has little, you know, little jokes in here. Like it says, all lefts reserved. All the above is mostly bull. If anything, the game and manual are copyright in 2020. And kind of kind of made it a little bit fun to read. It really looks like it could be straight out of the 80s, you know, a little booklet you get with the game. Yep. <clears throat> really cool. And I think he was going that specifically. And, you know, explanation of how to play the game and what the different colors mean and 
<clears throat> quite well done and just literally released this morning. So if you guys don't have it yet, go grab it. Coco one and two compatible, of course. Uh, extended basic required. And I think 32K required, if I remember. And last, this was a cool one. I think this we can have a brief discussion on it if you guys want to. Um, Simon Hardy and the Dragon Group posted a rather interesting poll in the Facebook group uh, asking people to list the best Dragon games with their category, whether it's an arcade or a platform or a RPG or text adventure or whatever. And uh, this is the current results as of when I loaded the page a few hours ago. So right now, uh, the best platform game is Chucky Egg with 18 plus votes, or I guess 21 total. Uh, Lunar Rover Patrol is in the lead for arcade, but Buzzard Bait's not far behind it. Uh, those people are just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Team Buzzard Bait. Yes. <laughs> Represent. <laughs> <laughs> and then Donkey King the King. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. It would probably be an interesting poll to do in the Kogo side, especially since some of the games are in common. You know, would we view the same games as being as popular in North America and Australia as they were in Europe and the UK? Because we do know that, you know, some games, and I know the Amigos have discussed this a lot because they deal with a lot of uh, games that were done in Europe for the Amiga and for some of the other platforms more so than, than we normally do. And there is definitely a separation of what one geographical region considers to be the best platformer versus what a different geographical region considers the best platformer or, you know, this best fighting game or whatever else. They definitely have some differences, I, I guess, based on culture. As to what they find best in the game. That's also what we call why Curtis is wrong about buzzard bait. No, you're just just incorrect there. We need a month of shows for that. (laughs) We'll save that for the November, you know, month of jousting, (laughs) which uh, Nick's already planning. So, but anyway, given the, given the list of the ones here, now some of these were dragon releases. Some of these were releases on both the Coco and the dragon. I was wondering on the panel here for you game players out there. Uh, grieved some of these, like the best arcade game being Lunar Rover Patrol ahead of Donkey King. Um, you know, Chucky Egg being the best platform ahead of Manic Miner, etc. Uh, what What do you guys think of their choices so far? Chucky Egg was really pop popular in Europe, but uh, you know that wasn't a thing when we were kids uh, over here. So, yeah, and that's getting into that whole you know geographical regions have their own flavor of what they like. Uh, you know, like for example, for the Australians on the panel here, definitely wasn't as good as uh, Lancer. Well, exactly. <laughs> oh, please! <laughs> but for you like, like for our Australian friends here that are on the panel, David I and, and the Nick, arcade. David and Nick, what would would you guys say? Like, I think your tastes are probably more in line with North North America than they were with Europe, as far as yeah, yeah, more North America. But was there some differences there too, where certain games in Australia were really popular that up here weren't, and vice versa? Oh, not really. No, we were very much the same as the U.S. Yeah. Is that your experience Australia's, too, David? Or? Austra- yeah, Australia is very much influenced by the U.S. Has been for quite a you know for quite a number of decades now. So, uh, yeah, I would certainly second <clears throat> that. See, that kind of surprised me because you guys were you know from England originally. You guys kind of came <laughs> straight from there and not not through <laughs> the states type thing. I won't get into the whole history thing, but <laughs> <laughs> another whole show. Yeah, I think well I think um prior to the eighties, I suppose, there was more of a, a UK influence on Australia. But from the eighties on it sort of seemed to be that American culture was very much a big influence on Australia. I think my you know, my 
with the music and everything, like on 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 um, the weekly TV radio shows. We had Casey, yeah. we had Casey Kasem doing the, the American Top Forty. That was our Top Forty. We had as teenagers. So um, oh, we had yeah. Countdown. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I'm talking about radio. You know, like Elon. Oh, radio. Them yeah. and all that. Yeah. So, uh, that's interesting then we, we should get you know, like Ben Drakes and some of our UK and European friends uh, Simon and does, a few others to say does anyone actually know the Ring of Darkness I think that was one of the ones I showed on one of the Pets Ass Gym videos way back when it's not a game I was familiar with before seeing it and I don't remember the details off the top of my head now because there were several hundred of those but <clears throat> but yeah we should we should try to get some of the people from Europe um, you know the the Simons and the, and the Ben Drakes etc to See if they can you know, even send in emails or or comment on the the Facebook group here and, and just you know kind of give their two cents too as to how different the uh, what was considered to be the best games were between the the two geographical regions on the exact same hardware and also what was available you know if they remembered other ones being available but they weren't you know yeah. as popular as others how how many Cuthbert games were there as like. <laughs> Well, there were some original Cuthbert games that were in England that basically only showed up there. And then there was other ones where they just took, you know, and rebranded the ones that were from North America, like (laughs) Cuthbert in the Jungle was Trapfall, for example. Oh, we here in uh, Australia, I mean, most if if the computers were American computers, we tended to follow the American side of things. Like we were into Tandy, say. So we followed Tandy Radio Shack in, in the US and saw software from the US. We didn't see so much dragon stuff. Um, but you guys did yeah. have a unique Australian yeah. market because you and Craig Stewart both got to sell games through Tandy that we never saw up here until they came through third party. Yeah, well, they were Australian programs. Um, mainly that happened more towards the later part of the 80s, mid to late 80s. Tandy here started uh, trying to recruit a few local programs. But... Looking at the bigger market, though, I mean, if you're into Tandy's, you followed the American market more. Yeah. Spectrums and BBCs were available here, and I guess people who followed those probably followed more a British market. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we were into Tandy's, so we followed that. Yeah. And the ironic thing is the Tandy's, especially the Coco 1 and 2, was sold in the UK. I don't think it sold as well as the Dragon did, but it was yeah, available it, there. And games were marketed as being for both. You get a cassette that says Dragon 32 and Coco 1 2 compatible on the same case. Well, I think some programs, were they sold in Tandy stores even? No, I'm not sure. I bet I'm not sure. If, if Ben or somebody ones. was in chat, maybe they can tell us. But Yeah. Hey, Curtis. Yep. Hey, since you're mentioning uh, the UK and everything, I just want to give you guys a little teaser too. I've been bouncing a few Facebook messages back and forth with Richard Harding from the Dragon Group, mm-hmm. and um, he's invited us to do kind of like a cross um, across the pond stream when they're going to do their Dragon Meetup in July. So they're going to try to have some people there on Zoom, bringing Yay. us some of that event. So that'll be kind of cool, you know? Cool. Yay. Oh, cool. I look forward to that. I'll join that. Mm. Yep. Let's leverage that. Definitely. Cool. And that's all I have for news. Okay. Well, why don't we take a commercial break and come back? And I think uh, if we still have Ron Duval in, on the panel. He has some VDG, um, not VDG, but uh, uh, Coco VGA stuff to talk about. 
and then we have we have Nick's uh, acquisitions, and um, we'll be right back after these messages. Call, call, talk, turn after these messages. Hello, I'm David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Coco Talk show. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Hey everybody, this is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous 9. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS 9. OS 9 and its current incarnation Nitrous 9 is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. After these messages, we'll be right back. This is not the Joey Serial Switch. This is the Joey Serial Switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at cocoman.biz. What's going on, everybody? The original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your Tandy color computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, Coconut.com. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Coco forever, people. SP 8266-01 RS232 TTL Wi-Fi Network 4 Pin DIN Fitbanger DB9 PC IP Drivewire 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 yeah. 
Hi, I'm Kieran Anscombe, author of XRAW, and your brain is resolving sensory input into Coco Talk. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. Oh, I remember that Christmas. Dad gave me my first shortwave radio from Radio Shack. What memories. This Christmas, we got our son's color computer three from Radio Shack. It looks right up to our TV and was on sale for less than $130. The color computer three makes learning fun. Jimmy even lets me use it for word process. When he isn't playing computer games. Lucky I still got my shortwave. Save $70 on the sale-priced color computer three, only at Radio Shack. Hi, it's Ron Dovo, Timberman, and this is Coco Talk. A boomerang memory board. Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games and their own sale. Get this six game model for $29.95 or the four game model for $21.95 with rising entertainment cost. That's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that last all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack. A Tandy Company. Now me turn you to Coco Talk. When you hear the, the disco music, you know it's time for Ron Delvo. Get funky. Get funky in Ron Delvo's garage. Is there like Shag Carpenter's garage? It says, start sharing screen will stop other participants' computer That's right. sound. Well, with today's rising entertainment costs, Ron Delvo's garage Go ahead is and a great value. Sure. Go ahead and share, Ron. <laughs> Take it away with Ron's garage. Okay. Share away. Can you hear me? I can hear you. We can hear Ronnie, you. can you hear me? We can can see. you see it? Yes, we can. I can see it. Okay. There's a bunch of pictures taken by that new viewer. So these are the uh, 16 color 128 by 96 VG6 special mode on the Coco VG? Yep. Uh, that's my car. Chrysler, of course. Naturally. Amy? Uh, Amy, uh, Amy. Buzz Aldrin on the moon. 
I was hoping it was buzzer beat. Swag, got a real game. Good. Yep. Hell. I'm afraid that eclipse. Lunar eclipse. <clears throat> My garage. Nice. Star Trek. Yeah, Pretty. some of these come out real great. Some of them are eh. This this come out pretty good. Kind of like this show. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> GDP 100. So what, so these what were resolution? Oh, sorry. sorry. 198, uh, 128 by 96. It right. looks kind of familiar. By 96. See, right. picture taken with your telescope? Yeah, it's a couple of them were. Yep. This nice. is my car. Mopar, yeah, Mopar. <laughs> Dragon, Coco Talk, which we are on. Coco Talk new version. Coco VGA, and this is what it's all about. Guess who? Guess who? Digital. <laughs> the paper towel guy. A, a copper charger. <laughs> My doggy. My wife. So these all converted with the uh, with uh, Ed's utility. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So Jeremy That's Landry it. has to use flickering to get more colors, or how does it work? Are they static? That'd be palette shifting, probably with flickering. I don't think so. Sh- there, no, the no. Tech VGA no, has just VGA. Tech OV, yeah. No, it's native it's Tech VGA. Right, this is a Coco VGA, not what he may be getting confused with. If the Coco 3 did it, there was some software on Coco 3 you could do. Oh, right. Yeah. No, colors with flickering. Yeah, Curtis says it's 128 by 96 by 16 colors, so four bits for each pixel. From a, from a palette of whatever. Yeah, either 512 or 32768, depending on which version yeah. of the Coco VGA you have. Yeah, that's not bad, is it? I mean, that's a Coco 1, you know? That's the thing. Neo approves? It's a Coco better, one. Better than green. <laughs> yeah, they're that actually colors. Pretty good. Yeah. And then um I did some art on uh the um Coco Max. Max, yeah. And um you know this is a Coco Gallery program um uh, Facebook thing, so I, I figured what the heck. And uh you know, I've just played around with imported a picture and then um, fixed some junk, you know. Good. Yeah, come out okay. And uh, yeah, you know, we couldn't do this. Uh, even this is Coco three, and that's using high color. And then there's just uh, that's the original, and this is on the Coco three. I, I think, yeah, yep, it come out good. I noticed uh, when you're doing this, if it's high contrast, like this is, this this come out real well. Um, my son playing guitar. I mean, that looks just like a picture. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. And that's um, cool. if you go, uh, let's see, the guy that made, um, the guy had a program that made JPEGs, to make JPEGs work on a um, Coco 3. Uh, where is it? That's down a ways. Oh, that, that's in a, a program. I think it might be in OS9. I'm not sure. This is a picture. Uh, oh, I don't see it. Back to the Future. That's looked really good. 
what great scott yeah yeah sure. um up right there marty McFly. yeah that looks yeah. that looks straight out of like a vhs tape yeah 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 some of this uh really good yep ghostbusters logo uh, that yes. that was that was using the um this is uh <laughs> Using the DS sixty nine, and back in the day, that was awesome. Even as crappy as it looks now, but uh, here, here's the guy, Michael Klein. He made a program that takes uh, JPEGs and converts them. But it uses a whole DSK. How long does it take? Because doesn't JPEGs use compression and all kinds of algorithms? It's going to be. Yeah, it takes a little while, but um, mm -hmm. it makes four huh. files. Three of them are frames and one's the program to show it. Huh. Something like that. Anyway, that's it, guys. If you ever get a chance and you're messing with this, I think uh, uh, Mr. Laurie, whatever your first name is, what is it? John. John Laurie. John, yeah. Uh, Post some of your stuff that you're, if you're screwing around with it, post them here if they come out nice, you know, it'd be cool. Now, how do I go back? Let's see. Uh, that green mobile looks really good. Stop share. Okay, did I stop? You did. All right, great. You did. It worked. Yay. I, I have very yeah. tenuous... Uh, internet because I'm using a stupid little um, you know uh, one of these here Wi-Fi dongle yeah and uh, so it's not high bandwidth I plug it in sometimes but today I was lazy so well, uh, Nick Morota do you want to share your uh, acquisitions yeah so it was a great week for me I uh, back when I was looking for a speech sound pack a few months ago uh, somebody had posted that they were getting rid of, rid of some cocoa stuff, and I messaged them and asked them, you know, how, you know, how much you wanted to sell it for, or whatever, and didn't really hear back from him. So then a few days ago, uh, he was looking for me. Uh, he said, I remember somebody, because he's in the same town as I am, and he said, I remember I was talking to somebody, and if, if you're still interested in the cocoa stuff, I've got some things to get rid of. And Curtis uh, sent me a tickler message in Discord to say, you know, somebody's looking for you. And uh, so I got in touch with him, and uh, and uh, yeah, he was looking to get rid of the stuff and uh, give it to somebody who would appreciate it, and not uh, you know not just hoard or whatever. And um, so yeah, so I got a Coco Three, which I won't show you because you've all seen Coco Threes, but I got a Coco Three. I uh, got a deluxe joystick. I got a Block Beauty with a metal stick, which I've never ever had before. Ooh, the original metal stick. Cool. Never had one of those before. And that's the one you can unscrew the top, and you know, put a little bit of something like silly putty or something, and make it soft. You can use it as what I used to call the shotgun joystick. That's right. Cut off shotgun, so you could actually just use your thumb like a thumbstick. I'm gunning for your scores, Curtis. That's it. I got a Coco mouse. <laughs> nice. Oh, the deluxe mouse too. The two oh, button. Both. I'm jealous. I want one of those. <laughs> um, what else? I got uh. Yeah. Honey, please, can you help me with my butt with this budget? 
So I'm all set. Get right on that. Uh, it's right up there with color script set. I'm losing. Uh, lo- uh, hello, we focus. Focus. There we go. Dungeons and Dagrath cartridge, which is one of the ones I wanted. In the box. In the box. Uh, Malcolm Mortar in the blister pack. Uh, actually, Rad that's Warrior. Rad Warrior. Pack. Sorry. Uh. And the price in the back. And uh, Malcolm Mortar in the blister pack, which I actually used to have as a kid. I, so, I, I actually have that cartridge too. So I got those in boxes. I also got Football 2 Loose, which I never played. To Pitfall Loose, Downland. Uh, what about the new math tutor? Sexter. <laughs> and then the thing that made me the <laughs> most excited. Yeah, I already have color scripts. The thing that made me the most excited. I had to move my MC-10 uh, to a place of prominence because I now have on my Coco... Is it in the w- holding up your window? No. Focus. I have a multi-pack airface on my Coco nice. oh. Came. That is a nice score. It came in box. Wow. wow. Very nice. Nice. See those often. And I literally, I got all this stuff for cheaper than I bought one of my Coco 3s for. And then How much would you pay? Three. Don't answer yet. And uh, I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe he was uh, happy to sell this stuff for... for so next time. next week you eat? This week <laughs> you do that. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's, it's worth it. So now I have, my, I, have, I have my audio spectrum analyzer permanently in the MPI so I can use my Coco 2 as a VU meter. Spam and PJBs. So, t- Nick, you told him that you're serious about the color computer and that you actually do stuff with it every week? He actually, um, he has a user ID in our uh, Facebook page. Like, he's oh, been fine. on our Facebook page. Gotcha. Oh, he's, so he's, is he going to regret this? Probably not. <laughs> no. he's a yeah, good, good thing to let him know about all this after he just got rid of all his stuff. No, I'm sure he knows how much it was worth. I mean, he's, just, he's being a nice guy. So I mean, no, I mean about about the the active community. Oh, so. now does he still? Did he keep any Coco stuff, or is this all the stuff he got rid of? No, he still had more stuff. He had a CM8, oh. uh, which I did not uh, really have room for. Did no, it have the door? There. Yes. Oh, uh, you nice. should have picked it up. That's worth it. It's way more. Just the door. Twelve bucks for the door. I think I, I think he had like Coco Max, a couple other things, but I pretty much cleaned them out. You might see if other people are interested in his other stuff, and then you can uh, use it for trading stock. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was very. Uh, I was actually. That's uh, a very, very quite cool edition, see. And it, it goes like somebody was asking the chat room before about how expensive a Coco Three is. Well, if you get lucky, <laughs> and you can pick up a whole block like this, and I, I'm assuming you didn't pay seven hundred dollars for all this, did you? No, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> How much would you pay? Don't answer yet. If you weren't on the, if you weren't a member of the board, I might tell you how much I paid. But I kind of feel weird about uh, saying that with him being on Facebook. So I'm not going to say how much, but it was a really good deal. Under seven hundred, though. Uh yes. C- can you say it like in a cough? Can you say it in binary? Hundred dollars. Dollars. Yeah. Less than three. See you later, guys. You got to fly. Chapter hook. No, it was. Bye. All right. 
Yeah. It was more. It was, it was three digits. Three digits. Is it? Was it bigger zero, than a bread zero, box? Zero, zero. <laughs> and this is in dollars, not cents. You're talking to your three digits, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you know you don't use pennies. So cough when we reach the number 100, 101. 102, <laughs> Here we go. Just, just wink, just wink the number of t- the, the amount that you paid. We'll I'll wait. Tell you, I'll, I'll tell you offline. Okay. Huh. Can we just go offline for a minute, everybody? <laughs> we've already done that twice today. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we've done that enough. Thanks. Gosh. Yeah. That's we don't. Yeah, we don't want to do that. But he was very nice. He's a very nice guy, and I really appreciate that. Uh, that he was. Uh, he, like I said, he wanted to give it to somebody who would appreciate it and not just turn around and flip it and. Uh, Actually, get use out of it. So, so next so, week's game is personal finance too. That's right, <laughs> <laughs> honey. Please help me with my budget. <laughs> you can touch so, me. So, Nick, do you no, have enough Coco threes? No, no, I'll throw it at her. Nick, go far, Fletcher. Yes, Nick. it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a six two three zero nine. So this is the one. This is the one you're gonna get upgraded to Megan and six three nine. Yep. How many Coco threes now? It's three. Uh, yeah, one's a total spare. And then, well, how's the uh, condition of the yellowing? Um, it's I have to clean it a bit. It's a little bit. Uh, it looks like it may have been in a bit of a uh, an environment. So, I, that's why I asked on uh, I asked on the Facebook page how to clean a cocoa case. But uh, you did get a green screen and everything's good. Yep. Good. So. Boy, it must make you feel great. That's yeah. Cool. Well, the funny thing is, I I really wanted the multi pack, and I really wanted the the uh, the cocoa and, and the personal finance too, and everything, and the per, and personal. Yeah, well, <laughs> you thought personal finance one was good. Wait until you've seen this. <laughs> this time. It's personal. They usually, they usually say the sequels aren't as good. <laughs> Get it? I just made that up. Yeah, it's good. I'm so I'm so proud of myself. It's good. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's it, huh? <laughs> I've, I've, For a week, I've, I've peaked. <laughs> <laughs> Can't top that one. Uh, so, when, when do you plan on getting your upgrades done then? Because you've got a local guy there that can help you do the actual. Yeah, Mr. Dave. Mr. Dave's going to do it. We just have to arrange it. Uh, we just have to arrange to uh, to do it. Because I know you were really leery about doing it before when you only had the one spare. Like if this one yes. went wrong, then you were yes. Yeah. Hey. Like, Oh, I was gonna say I, I originally wanted to get like a second Coco three to just do modifications to because the one I have is actually like my childhood one, so there's like a lot of sentimentalness yeah. for that. So like I, I was leery about you know modifying it, um, but uh, I did, so that's all good. So that's cool that you get those. That's funny because my my childhood computer was a, a Apple two E, and I modified the heck out of it. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> bought all kinds of stuff for it. <laughs> same thing with same thing with my original Coco One. I've modified did so many mods to that back in the day. It was Mod City, and it is now too. It still is now. It's really cool that we can get back into this and do you know modern mods. I keep saying that you know on the show, but it really is just fantastic. Yeah, like I, I was even like I didn't want to. I, I bought one of those two megabyte logos for it, and but I I was like I didn't want to damage the original one because you know again my childhood Coco. But I'm like ah. I think you're right. I think just just go all out and modify it. Let's have some fun. Well, that that was something that was different. I think with the Coco in general compared to some of the other eight bits of the time, like the Atari and the Commodores, is that we had a much more active hardware community. 
that did these yeah. mods. I mean, all the Coco magazines, Rainbow, CCN, all the rest, they always had hardware mods. Like here, pull out your ROM and reprogram it and wow. you know, add in a composite circuit and an inverse video circuit, reroute the reset button, all this stuff. We had tons of them. There was tons of third-party boards from ABUS, et cetera, that were selling all kinds of timers and interrupt controllers and all kinds of stuff too. So I think the Coco always has been a hacker's machine much more than the other 8-bits at the time. Yeah, except for my, maybe the Apple. My first Coco one, one had 128K and uh, switching software to, to store programs on it, except for when you turn it off, it was a little disappointing. <laughs> that was a big thing that drew me to the Coco. Uh, the Coco was the uh, being an electronics guy myself and an experimenter and a you know a, a hacker and whatnot. And um, the hardware community and the fact that it was so hardware tweakable and there was just so much you could do with it. That's one of the big draw cards for me. It still is one of the big draw cards for me today. So really doing all those upgrades now is, is the Coco 3 coming into its own, what it's meant, or what it was meant to be for. Yeah. Hey, Todd, yeah, thanks for that time. program. Todd, huh? thanks for that program. Yeah. It yeah, was no great. Problem. It's up it was... on my machine right here. Right now. <laughs> I saw that representing <laughs> over there. That's awesome. Yes, sir. I wanted somebody to do that a long time ago. We talked about it on the Coco Talk, and I said, wouldn't it be cool to have all these things on there? You know, you, you put your uh, multi, your um, <clears throat> SDC in another machine and and run it, and there you can see what you have without having to try and remember if that's an old um, gimme or not, you know, or whatever. Exactly. It was just, it's just, I don't know. Um, I, I think I said in the video that I, my friend showed me the uh, system, system information script uh, called NeoFetch and it kind of had that similar design and it was just, I ran it and I was like, wow, this is beautiful. This would be awesome for like a, a text mode um, Coco 3 thing. And then I started trying to figure out how to detect the different things and, you know, you guys on Discord you know, really helped uh, explain the process about um, uh, detecting a 6309 and uh, and other stuff. But uh, it was really just kind of for fun. And also, like, I thought maybe some people might find it useful. And then I thought some people might just find it interesting to run once and be like, wow, that's pretty. And then, you know, and then move on to the next thing. So it was a lot of fun to do. So if anyone has questions, I'm happy to answer is it a uh, i haven't actually i've downloaded it but i haven't actually run it on my coco i still got it on my phone downloaded on that is it uh is it machine language or basic or 100 uh, machine language okay so how, how would you make that come up when you boot the machine and then um when you hit instead of going to basic have it go to the um sdc menu um so there's a couple different ways you could do it um there's the sdc has a thing where it will there's a there's a file uh, auto exec uh, yeah yeah there's, there's a file on the root directory of your SD card that will point it to a disk image of your choice and then it'll auto mount that disk image and then try and run a program called auto exec.vas and basically you can make that basic program do whatever you want you can load a machine language program you can run a, you know a program a script whatever um, so that's what I would do is uh, put that sysinfo disk image um, on your SD card. Just, just make an SD card, a one gig SD card that has just that. Swap it in when you need it. Yeah, yeah, you could do, exactly. And then you just, you just, it's, there's a, a, a um, the Coco SDC has a manual that kind of explains how to 
set an auto launch. But then it, you can also get really fancy. I could like make a ROM version and you just flash to a ROM bank and then there would not even be any um, uh, DOS loading. It would just instantly execute off the ROM, but that would be a little more. Yeah, I thought maybe uh, I put it on my SDCX uh, DSK mm-hmm. and then I was going to take auto exec bat or auto exec uh bas and change that to um load m that that and then colon exec but it doesn't work yeah just just load the auto exec dot bass program and just have the program say 10 load m sysinfo and and then just it'll automatically run that program and so it, it doesn't it doesn't right mine didn't oh. it, i i tried that first and then i tried a colon you know after um sysinfo.bin colon exec and it wouldn't and it do it either okay well i don't want to hijack the show but like afterwards like i'll, I'll oh definitely... this is i'm learning <laughs> okay well i mean I'm, I'm happy to walk you through um okay figuring it out because that'd be that would actually be really cool to just take your sd card and have it, just pop it in any machine are you on discord yes so we have, Lord group, Dragon, we have a group. We have a yeah. group there for Coco SDC. I think it'd be really cool to share tips and oh. tricks for um, yeah, that's a good idea. The auto exec bass uh, and things like that. <laughs> Todd, Todd, do you have any plans on making a Coco One Two compatible version too for people? With, I mean, some people are upgrading, you know, CPUs and stuff in there now too. So you could... yeah, so Stevie had mentioned that on the, on the Facebook group, um, and I could absolutely. At, at first, I was like, you know, there's really no gimme in there, and you, you, there's not as many RAM upgrades, and I thought it would just be boring because it wouldn't be a lot to detect. But um, you know, in the conversation we were having, like there actually is a significant amount of stuff that would be useful. Like you said, the CPU. 6309. Um, yeah. Yep. Or the, just the ROM version. Can um, you detect VDGs. for uh, VGA? Huh? Coco VGA? No, Coco VGA, unfortunately, is not detectable. We've talked no. to Brendan about that. And there's a couple a other T, things. A T1. Can you detect that, though, Nick? Well, I don't know. I thought there might have been. but. <laughs> and I was talking earlier um on discord with, I forget who it was, but he was saying that like, I, I could even like get even more um, specific, like detecting um, what firmware the SDC has or uh, what version or like um, detecting. Um, like what version of color basic, what version of extended basic. Right. You could do that too. Or like, or even like a memory upgrade. Like, is it a boomerang? Is it a triad? Like there may be little, little, you know, clever ways to sort of, figure that out maybe not but it's just there's some cool ideas that people are mentioning so I, it sort of started out as something fun but it, it actually turned into a really cool project that we could all kind of well the version i got from you says i'm a male and left-handed which is amazing because i didn't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it, you know that's some pretty sophisticated <laughs> detection right there i mean I, i'm not yeah. to put a lot of work into that so yeah yeah. The version I've got here is, is apparently got a Dave detector. It just keeps on saying, oh, Dave's not him. <laughs> no, does it really? <laughs> and if you wave your hand over it, it can tell if you have an MC10 like we discussed earlier on the show. <laughs> Someone on Discord said, oh, maybe now you can add it so it'll detect whether whether or not your CM8 has a door on it or not. Oh, that's I said, cool. be, I, said, that'd be, I said, that'd be pointless because that doesn't exist. So, so, so what am I doing right now? <laughs> You are <laughs> making you are the program go in and out. 
You are pulling. Okay, moving on. Um, so, Todd, as far <laughs> as uh, the software goes, um, how hard would it be for you to put like both the Coco 1, 2, and 3 stuff all together so that it could be in like a ROM cartridge if you wanted to make a quick, quick, dirty uh, diagnostic cartridge just to throw that's, it in, turn it on, and run it? That's totally doable. Um, uh, Lost Wizard was telling me that there's it's pretty easy to detect whether or not you're you have a Coco 3 or not. And I, I bet that would be the first thing I would do was figure out what kind of machine it is, and then it would just be a different a different kind of um, place in the program that it would do it. But that's that I don't see why I couldn't. So that that's that'll be something something to yeah, because I know from Darren Atkinson when he did the Coco SDC firmware he's doing some trick to detect for the coco one presence that isn't available in the coco twos mm. that uses i think the uh how the uh, analog switch works oh and therefore oh. that's how he detects that he needs to be running in the 38400 mode for drive wire without you needing to tell it because it drive knows wire. that it's uh, a a coco one that's cool <laughs> Yeah, I what, um, I'm sorry. What would be good is also a joystick testing program. Just have it so yeah. it looks at both ports. So if you have your joysticks in, you can make make sure they cover all the axes and all the positions. So, is it obvious if there's no joysticks connected, will your output be a recognition? Uh, well. It may not. Uh, I'm not sure what value uh, you get when you don't have a joystick, but uh, um, it it's not so much. Quotes. Yeah, it's not so much to detect whether you have a joystick. It's just to get the readings, so you can graphically represent it. So, if you have no joystick, obviously the the readings are not going to move at all. Yeah, um, that, no joy. That, that would actually no be joy cool. exactly. <laughs> like after the information is listed on the main. Yeah. I could put like a button where you, you know, you press D for diagnostic mode. And then yeah. it would, just like you said, Nick, it would, like, it would it would start, you know, examining stuff and you could test joysticks and maybe yeah. even like serial input output. So you'd see if anything's connected and that, that's actually, this, this is pretty cool. It's a good idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, because I mean, Radio Shack did a diagnostic cartridge, but they did it at the very first generation Coco, so it only recognizes four and sixteen K. Has no uh -huh. idea about thirty two or sixty four. Like they just never finished it afterwards. Mm -hmm. And having something like working all three Cocos, and like you said, you can detect the joysticks. Like a lot of these digital joystick adapters we've got now, we've been finding that some of these joysticks don't let you go all the way to the left or all the way to the top left corner. So you can use that to diagnose. Okay, does this particular one plug in and that work properly? Cool. Yeah, I would pay as yeah. much as ten dollars for this item. <laughs> so <would> I. <laughs> you can even do a keyboard diagnostic. That's pop star yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could be like a Nicholas Morenti's uh, number two. I could put like a, a an image of like the key the Coco yeah. keyboard, and then like it would highlight each key, and you would have to press it, and it would make yeah. sure that, that key's functional. Wow. And you can even make it smart cool. enough to register that if certain keys are not working. It can figure out like this line on the ribbon mylar cable probably has a break in it. And you need to fix it. Or maybe I could even measure the debounce level of the keys. Now I'm kidding. That that would be pretty crazy. Yeah, you know how um, people do math to tell whether or not you have a bad chip on an older Coco. 
just by like a ram chip yeah yeah you can, you, can graphi- you can graphically represent that depending on which bits are stuck or not stuck yeah right ram test yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning a lot about hardware from, from, from that. I'm sorry. Chip three is malfunctioning. Welcome <laughs> to feature creep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your program will never be done, but it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> just, just enter these three ROM packs into your MPI. It'll be like version infinity because there is no version. It just goes on forever. <laughs> I foresee a github account to where people can give suggestions on new areas now (laughs) don't do it (laughs) uh that you know and and there's there's actually more i wanted to to put in it you know when i when i sort of posted it for people to to check out but i i have a a bad habit of like you said feature creep and i I, there's all this stuff i want to do and then i never have a finished product at all so it's like you know what i'm just going to put a 1.0 1.0 version out there and just for fun. And then I can always add to it later. So that's exactly what we do with nitrous nine. That's why they're all called betas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought about putting like alpha, but uh, no. that's cool. I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm really psyched that a lot of people found it cool or interesting. And, and that's I think, encouraging all these absolutely. other great ideas. Huh? Glad you're yeah, on here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You should come on more often. Yeah. You're always welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. When I saw it on Facebook, I thought, oh, man. And they didn't post it anywhere. And then I thought, well, I'll just look in files. And there it was. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I just I did a link to the zip file right in the post. But I don't know if, like, Facebook filters those kinds of things. So I figured I'd just upload it to the group, too, and that way. And the know, other thing the I want to ask you guys is why, why do you guys uh, post stuff as files in a zip? I mean, today we we don't have any space problems, do we? What's the, the reason? reason? I think it's more to keep things in, keep it intact, so that the file structure stays. If there's more yeah. file, the actual yeah, if, if you have to create subdirectories and stuff, if you don't put in a zip, you have to give instructions like you put this file here, make this directory, put this file here. So you don't yeah. have to do any of that. The reason people put disk images in the zip file is most browsers won't know what kind of file it is, and they'll try and display it as text. So instead of clicking uh, yes. the Instead of clicking the link and just getting a file download to your downloads directory, it'll just give you, you know, garbled uh, ASCII yep. in your browser. Yep. Good point. So that's why they just put it in a zip, and that way it's a recognized thing, and you just unzip it. It's annoying, but that's well, file and, manager does the, the same thing. And Ron, the there's was- the other thing. Some of us are still on dial-up or slow DSL connections, so we oh, still really zipped. Every bite counts. Like Every bite counts. Back in my day, back. Now the zip the zip link on uh, Facebook worked fine for me. That's what that's where I got it from. Cool, but uh, yeah, that was that was fun. I may or may not have spent way too much time on the layout and colors to make it super pretty looking. No, it's fine. It does look good. Oh, I've, heard good, I've heard good comments about it. And when you, when you put at the bottom, special thanks to William Astle, Al Curtis Boyle, Dave Phillipson, and everyone on Discord. That includes me. That does? That oh, was yes, awesome. Yes, you did say that. I you just, are on I Discord. Yeah. I couldn't have fit Ron Delvo, David Black, Dana. Right. Hey, did you guys mention Discord at all? I know that was one of the things I was hopefully going to be able to talk about. Did we talk about Discord? Oh. 
we didn't just in passing, you. not not anything specific. We didn't, Stevie. Yeah. We could do that uh, at one on one on Discord right now, if you'd like. Well, I don't have anything prepared to show, but maybe just we can just mention the fact that you know Discord has kind of become the best kept secret. It's this kind of counterculture. You know, I, I think you know we've got like over two thousand people on Facebook, which is great. I'm not. Sh- I'm sure they're not all active, but it's a you know it's a big number. But we've we've got over four hundred people now on Discord, and and Discord is pretty active for the people that are there. And there's so many categories and. I, I call most of the area of Discord kind of like the dark web because you're talking about really scary things like hardware and software <coughs> and programming and stuff, and it's like it's way over my head. But there's just so many areas of Discord, and and like uh, Lord Dragon saying, you know, it's a great place to get help. And I'm not I'm not saying this is better or worse than anything else like the mailing list or um, Facebook, but it's just another resource. And I think it's become almost uh, a go-to place because it's it's near real time. You know, you can put it. It's it's not organized, so it's not a forum, but you can put out a question about assembly or hardware, and you're going to get responses from dozens of people that are all very knowledgeable and very helpful. And uh, a lot of times, these conversations are taking place almost like a chat room, where it's just Bing, 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 and things are getting hashed out. So it's it's become an incredible resource for us. It's one of the few go-to things we have now, like the mailing list. And, and honestly, I'm not a big fan of the mailing list. And that's just me. You know, to me, the mailing list is, uh, it's just like a white paper. You know, I like pretty pictures. I like magazines that are glossy. You know, it's not that it's right or wrong. It's what people's preferences are. And, and, and the mailing list is not my cup of tea. Facebook is, is nice, but Facebook is also kind of hard to search. Um, and, and I'm not saying discord's any easier, but it just seems like things get done there. So I'm, I'm, thank you for giving us a shout out there and your, and your thing there. And I'm glad that you were able to get that help. And there's lots of people there who are able to be helped. I know we talk about it. I don't think we plug it a lot, but we really should. I think there's a link in the description to this video to our discord server. And if you're not already there, you ought to come by and check it out. Um, you know, there's, there's fun things going on there and there's some serious things going on there and, and Things get done. Questions get answered. People. We, get we should do it. I think and, you've mentioned this before, Steve. We should do a demo of, of Discord, like what's available. We even have a sample, you know, audio or video call or a you know shared video type thing. Yeah, sometimes yeah. done just to show and people what what it actually is capable of doing. Next yeah. week. Keep in mind, there's people chatting there several times a week. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about uh, the voice chats. Yes. Oh, daily, nightly, several times a day. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. one thing I really like about Discord is the fact that, like on Facebook, people have got Facebook Messenger and stuff. I've never downloaded the Facebook Messenger app. I don't like it. I don't want a bunch of five hundred thousand people coming in and just nagging me day or night. And Discord is perfect for that because it's it's a group of specific people who who are there for a specific purpose. And there's a really good chat. You can do voice calls. You can talk to somebody and. I just find it so much easier for real-time chat. If I need to talk to somebody in real time, I say, oh, you're on Discord? Go over there and we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Do a, a private you know, chat. I, I kind of have the similar rule. Like when people start texting me, if I've had to exchange a text dialogue more than three or four times, at that point, in my mind, this has become a conversation 
And I'd rather speak to you on the phone than to continue to text back and forth. And you can kind of do that yeah, with yeah. Discord. You know, you yeah. can start off with a textual conversation and then say, you know what, let's let's and you can do direct voice calls where I could just me and Todd or excuse me, Lord Dragon. Yeah. We could you know, your fine. majesty, your majesty. I, I, <laughs> I, Todd I, is fine. I, 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 I prostate myself beneath you. But you know, I could easy. we could be chatting and I could say, hey, uh, Lord Dragon, I'm just going to call you right now and you and I could just have a direct voice conversation and, and have things up. Awesome. It's great. It's a great resource. You can put, you, you can just drag and drop images in. You can share screenshots, yep. pictures, links to videos. It's live. And if you disc image. And if, disc like, images, if you're yeah. a programmer and you want to like show a, a quick snippet of a program, it does. There's a way you can format it so it's like it's all um, evenly spaced and and it's it's just it's a perfect resource for a tech oriented community to to chat. I, I check it. Almost as often as, as like my Facebook or my email. Yeah. What's going yeah. on. So, yeah. And I have it on my phone. I'm addicted. I'm, I'm more addicted to probably Discord. I check Discord more frequently throughout the day than I do Facebook. You know? <laughs> yep. I um, do too. And you don't have to deal with politics. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, when okay. did that start? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's new if that's happening. <laughs> oh, and, 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 and here's the funny thing regarding Discord. Uh, Stevie and I started it just because the fact that we were using it for games back then, because it actually was designed for gamers. So that's right. And it's uh, it uh, it uses very little resources compared to Skype and other programs of that caliber. And it's just, right, right. It's a great way to have a and and we're also able to live stream to it. So when we've been playing some of these games, I was actually live streaming my game and people were watching me and talking to me and helping me real time while I was playing the game. So that's a new feature they added too, where you can actually live stream straight to Discord uh, with like, like near fact, near zero latency. Yeah. I like yeah, the fact I would that like to mention too, if you're thing. not actually on it, you can go if somebody if, if you need to get somebody to you get in touch with somebody, you send tag them or something, or send them a message, and it'll it'll send you a pop up alert. Because I don't have the Facebook Messenger app on my phone, so I don't get that. So I've right. got to go in manually with a browser and check everything. Whereas with Discord, if someone wants to get in touch with me and I'm online and I'm not using Discord, I'll get a little pop up on my phone and go, "Oh yeah, you know, Stevie's there, or Ron's there, or something else." And you know, it's 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 just so practical, good, useful. Jason has a carload of bubble wrap. I do. I, I, I have a, I, I, I will admit I have a bubble wrap problem. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can I can help you with that. I can help you with that problem. It's uh, uh, remember every time can... you pop one of those bubbles that the air in it comes from China and it could it could, could contain coronavirus. <laughs> oh jeez. Wow. <laughs> uh, Somebody thought about that a while. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I was gonna say, but okay. <laughs> but in the in the spirit it going back to Discord. <coughs> In the, in, the, in the spirit of full, full disclosure, if anyone hasn't caught on to this already, that um, we, we, I do have to let you know that David Ladd is on Discord. <laughs> That's a warning, right? Yes. He, he, he Why is, is that very such a problem? Much the same on Discord. He's <laughs> worse. He's worse. That. David Ladd is yeah. the one that started the Tandy Color Computer Discord server. That's right. He used to uh, head also where the, the, the uh, turn signal orchestra uh, yeah. premiered. Yeah, oh, there is a grease weasel channel. Hey, in the live chat, Robert Murphy was mentioning he prefers IRC, but Discord is kind of like IRC. It's it's you know oh, yeah. works the similar way. Um, 
it's just more it's more real time and it's permanent it doesn't go anywhere so discussions that were had years ago you can still find them what's um, irc stand for I uh, internet, internet relay, relay chat, chat. Yeah, oh, old school, old school chat. There is still a an IRC Coco group yeah. thing that Coco people are using. I never used it. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually um, in that channel too. I, I, yeah. I've been there quite a while. Um, it's on. Um, but the nice thing about Discord too is you don't even have to install the client if you don't want to. There is a browser-based client. Yep. You just go to Discord app. There's apps com, for tablets, phones, <laughs> oh, yeah. mobile, yeah, yep. Android, iOS. Yeah, the multi-platform thing's really good. So, and it's, so all, the, it's all car, compartmentalized. So, like, if you're just interested in that moment, and you know, talking about basic programming or hardware or um, games, you know, like you can you can really fine tune the subject, and it's just it's really cool. So. Well, back in the day, didn't we get news from there? I think they yeah, had like a news services would. Oh, the post the news things on there. We, for, for, you mean for Coco Talk? I think no, no, I'm talking oh. about way back in the. When it first started. Oh, are you talking about Fidonet back with the BBS? Well, yeah. the, there was that. And then the I thought. Listserv Coco or that type of thing? <coughs> IRC was. Uh, talking about Usenet? I don't know. Anyways, it's one of those online internet wow. dial up things. One of them things. I believe some yeah. form of communication was involved. Uh oh. Is there Jason a Cylon is the Matrix? There? Discord <laughs> works very well when you have bandwidth. <laughs> You've had more than one Cylon in a voice chat before. <laughs> yeah, but we've had that here too, so it doesn't really matter. Well, as I'm I'm looking at um, Facebook right now. There's still 31 people watching the show, so that's very We're cool. Sorry, despite the uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> the rough starts. Yeah, how no, many of cool. those people are on the show? Yeah. <laughs> um, how many is still awake yeah we like <laughs> we like hearing our own voices and seeing our own faces wow. my wife only has 148 the third time's the charm <laughs> my wife only has one hand on her hip when it goes to two then I have to get it off uh. <laughs> <laughs> you've played with your little friends long enough Yeah. so what is the game for next week it's draconian Draconian. Yep. No, super finance too. Uh, oh, personal finance too. <laughs> yeah. No, scripts it. Tell this it. time it's personal. Yeah, finance yeah. too. This time it's personal. Yeah. Color file to <laughs> file harder. Yeah. <laughs> Honey, please. <laughs> well, aren't you going to keep the game um, statistics on that program? I suppose <laughs> not, I could. Not like a spreadsheet. You could. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. let's see. It's got a picture of a plus, and I guess it's hospital costs. A <laughs> Super car, finance. <laughs> a car, a boat, and a house. So I can keep track of my mortgage. Personal my, finance, uh, too. My my boats. You should keep track of how many rage quits Stevie has. That would yeah. be good. Out of RAM. Stevie, our illustrious. Out of RAM. Stevie's our illustrious leader. <laughs> I see your other problems. I'm out of here. Coco 3 requires. Show, guys. I'm here. I'm afraid too big is not enough. That, uh, that I was not responsible this time. Yeah, you can't blame James. Two megabyte cocoa. After required. two years, James is off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> you missed James was nice earlier. Oh, really? Yep. 
Well, anyone else have any acquisitions, or we can go into the closing credits and into uh, the caboose wrap-up. Yeah, it's... Oh, I thought this was the caboose. Sorry, I got here later. Stevie, <laughs> <laughs> this, this isn't the caboose. This is the replay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right, we'll That's be okay. back. I thought we were still doing introductions. <laughs> <laughs> and he wonders why I show up late a lot of the time. <laughs> okay, Nick, thanks for being here. Next up, we got David Ladd. David, welcome. Ah, uh, no. I... <laughs> can. He can't still be enthusiastic, can he? Oh, yes, guys. How are you doing? Are we ready to get this show moving? I'm so ready. Yeah, it's Next only up, five hours uh, Next, we really have a small furry creature that tells us if winter's going to be around. Oh, worst a- Groundhog Day ever. Oh, I think I just yes. heard 32 <laughs> simultaneous clicks. Next up, babe, I got we're you. going Ooh, to have our all, those 31 pe- all those 31 people that are on Facebook are there waiting for the audio feed. Yeah, exactly. All righty. <laughs> and Rob, we'll, let's we'll move on to the caboose. The Coco Credits <laughs> are rolling. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Train wreck is over. And-
and we welcome you to the last surviving car. Join us in Zoom for Coco Talk Caboose, a recap of today's show. Coco Talk Caboose starts now. So no one says anything. <laughs> and your host for Coco Caboose, Nick Morota. <laughs> what? So this yeah. is for all, all the paying up. people. No. Put him on That's the spot. The wow. well, welcome, to the, welcome to the Caboose. I think we're over today. Welcome to the Caboose. This is where we just kind of wrap up the show and hopefully say something that's entertaining. Absolutely. Well, you're talking about Discord. So did you finish your thoughts on why Discord is a, is a great um, part of our, you know, our media kit for the community? If you're not doing it, do it. All the cool kids are doing it. That's right. Um, it's a great resource. Uh, speaking of uh, discussing today's show and what happened on today's show, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> Lord Dragon's like, "Well, I, I didn't. I, I got here late. I didn't miss the beginning of the show." We're like, "No, you didn't. Right? No, we just started." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Not not one, but two technical glitches, and we do apologize. And I do want to thank the the dedicated. Staff, unlike myself, who was not dedicated. <laughs> yeah. have a lot Gotta go, guys! Yeah, yeah. I rage quit after two strikes. I kind of rage quit. I was like, oh, I can't handle this right now. Yeah, but yeah, so. a couple, couple of technical glitches. But Rob Inman, thank you once again for a stellar streaming job and for your format uh, tweaks. That's right. We have Klingons. They just hang and stay. Absolutely. That's like right. dingleberries. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, I'll just say, for me, I like to keep the stream running. I think I've only had to stop the show at the very first time I streamed um, because I didn't know what to fix. Um, now I'm able to, to fine-tune and tweak things in the background. And I think this, this day was particularly rough because um, the panel and the chat and everybody kind of stopped and pointed out all the auto difficulties in real time but of course it's not real time because I'm I'm actually you're fixing, fixing things and they're they're a few seconds behind and they're a few seconds behind and I also yeah. can monitor the YouTube um, audio myself if you give me a GD moment I will mm. do that <laughs> um, gosh so, darn a gosh darn moment and yep. uh, you know and also you know Stevie's in the best sense of the word is you know is my boss so it's a little bit more pressure um, from that perspective, um, and I know from 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 your perspective, Stevie, uh, former boss, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll never find me. I, I'm hiding up here in the booth. Right? You're gonna have to HR uh, try to locate locate me. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I would have kept I would have kept the show running, and maybe my mistake is to I went to Stevie first for the intro. Yeah, um, that's a mistake. I probably I probably could have killed. Some, yeah. I could just lock the door time. in the booth. Yeah. Yeah. I just think I think what we should do too, because it's all it's always seems to be almost last minute before we go live. We're tweaking things up the last minute. We need to just do a test. Yep. Maybe the night before or an hour before, and work all that stuff out. Because I had new I had new audio things I was fixing yeah. and changing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, I, I want to be clear. Sorry, James. I said Stevie. I think we've said that before. Yeah. Well, James. <laughs> we, got, we, right. we, got, we got the message. I mean, 
I will tell you, no audio no audio problems are acceptable, and the audio should work from the beginning of the show. Uh, and I take full responsibility for that. Um, but we will have some testing, and perhaps even on a Friday night when we do our production re review. Um, but um, if an audio uh, glitch happens, I I would appreciate from everyone on the panel to just continue talking. <laughs> Which is just what work through it. Just work through it. So what you're saying is next time it happens, we'll just try to work through it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's what I would prefer. Um, and, and yeah, I will so tell that, you if I don't know how to fix it, and then we can stop the stream. But generally speaking, I, I know how to how to kind of fix. Okay. The levels. Fair enough. I do have some questions when we when we meet, you know, offline when I get my yeah. performance review. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is going to affect your increase for the I year, do, or, I, or decrease. So. I do believe my, my pay is going to be cut. Yeah. So. Well, at least he told you on, on the show instead of in an email. <laughs> he's going to be impeached. That's be right. I, I don't want to be fired over email. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, thanks for Nick for taking the ball, because I was in a full-on panic attack at that point. Um, yeah. Oh, hey, Wayne Campbell brought up a good point in our little disclaimer. He goes, he goes, he goes just remember, Steve, you said at the beginning that anything in, <laughs> anything can and will happen, and today it did. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And in the worst possible way. Yeah. But, um, but it was great when Nick took over because he wasn't feeling that, that, that stress level so he could actually, you know, have a conversation with people. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, sometimes I know when I reach a certain frustration level, I literally have to walk away, and that's what I had to do. I had to walk away. So yeah. nobody's fault. Nothing it's just my own. Than, so I was going to say, there's nothing worse than when you when you're trying to do something like that, and you and you've got all this technical stuff in the background holding you back. I'm mm. the same thing with music. If I'm if I'm working on a new track and a new song or something for a new album or something, and and I get tech difficulties in the, in the studio. It's, nothing kills the inspiration more than something like that. And it's like, oh, I, I don't even want to write a song now. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of it for me. It's like the uh, the fun balloon got popped. Well, that's, and, so, and, and that, yeah. that hit me too, because Steve, when, yeah. Steve when, we, when we started the second time with Stevie hosting, and he threw it back to me, and <laughs> I'm like, no, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not in any... Um, uh, I'm glad you guys aren't airline pilots who give up like that in the middle <laughs> of flight. <laughs> I'm grabbing it. my parachute and jumping off this plane. <laughs> you guys fly it yourselves. <laughs> I can't fly this no more. <laughs> Bye. It's too damn uncomfortable. Landing gear ain't working. Yeah. I'm jumping out. See That's ya. right. Yeah. In the, event of, in the event of a water landing. <laughs> Just think of this. Ghost host Nick Marota. Calm, cool, Canadian. That's right. <laughs> That's Hi, Vicky. Now, yeah. you puppy. So I think uh, Nick, uh, Hi, Nick Road and I made a good team. So thanks, Nick. And um, I mostly held it down on back in the on the booth. <laughs> yeah, because I was able to ask you questions in the background to say, "What the hell are we doing?" So it was good. Yeah. That's I'm what's great Vicky. about you guys. We really are. We are mostly a team. With the exception yeah. of one of us here, almost all Type of us like are, are a tight knit team. <laughs> <laughs> that one person will find out. Tell us which one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nick, I won't. I, I, I won't mention. I won't mention my any name. Uh, <laughs> is, that, is, is that a game called roulette? <laughs> yes. 
uh, Robert Murphy hey, says, uh, from the bleachers, despite the rough start, everything here was fun and cool. Live always has its surprises. And he says, fly Coco Talk Airways. A train, the train wreck of the skies. <laughs> hey, Marco. Marco. You'll appreciate, what just, you'll appreciate what just popped into my head. Okay. From, uh, from Monty Python, I'm paraphrasing. When danger reared its ugly head, Stevie bravely turned his tail and fled. Brave, 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 Sir Roberts. Brave Sir Robin. Brave Sir Robin. Did you know I'm, te- I'm teasing you, Stevie? No, but it's true. It's funny, but true. No, you were angry. You weren't scared. You were just pissed off. No, it, it was probably better because I I was obviously upset for uh, letting Stevie down because it's his show. And no, he didn't he, let me down. It's just life happens. Things happen. Yeah, yeah, but from a stress level, it's probably better that you that you left because uh, like my my head got clear and I was able to focus. No, I ended up being good. have me breathing fire down your neck. You could do your job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, good times. All right. Good times. I'm out of here. See you all, all right. next so time. We're going to possibly do a, a, a late night draconian session tonight. All right, Nick. Oh, we certainly could, Stevie. See you later, Nick. Have a good week. Hey, see you later. See you, Nick. Oi, oi, oi. Right. Hashtag Stevie food coma. Yeah, well, my wife has already told me she's not cooking me dinner, so I'm not sure I'm going to get it. Ooh, what did you do wrong? It's a microwave night. Yeah. She was watching Tucker talk. She was really annoyed that you didn't stay. And the new type computer. Oh, yes. Let's get printing. Yeah, I like Draconian. I think I'll have fun playing it, but I don't know that I could play Draconian every day. Like, here's the thing. Like, Donkey King. Donkey King was so fun to play. Also, because there's so many different levels to it. You know, you got the four screens. You got to cycle through screens to see it. You know, it's, it's a challenge just to get to the elevators. It's a challenge to get to the pie factory. You know, so you feel like you want to keep pushing yourself to get through all those screens. But, right. You know, some of these games where you literally keep doing the same thing over and over again, I don't know that I could play them a hundred times in a week. I, I, you know, we'll just have to we'll have to wait and see. Um, but sometimes you're surprised too. Like I didn't think I would enjoy Ladybug, but I did. So um, I like Draconian. I'm gonna play it, but I'm not sure how much I'll be able to play it. But we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> you mean a Doodlebug? A Doodlebug, yeah. Doodlebug was fun. What did I say? Said ladybug. ladybug. Oh, ladybug. Yeah, whatever. Same difference. Right. Doodlebug, worst graphics program. Ever. Yeah, worst graphics program that was ever. That awesome. was great. Yeah, that Ken Record. He's a witty feller. Uh, Raccoonian attitude. Yeah. Yes, we're still on the air. We're still flying. Uh, did you guys talk about Coco Talk? I mean, Coco yeah. Fest. Did you talk about yeah. Coco it's Fest? First hour. Yes. <laughs> okay. And we talked about tables. There's still tables available. I yeah. don't know if that was mentioned, but uh, there's still we asked about, about who had tables and what people were going to be. Yeah, uh, there's still. It looks showing. like there's, there's about maybe a half dozen tables left out of around forty. So there's not a lot of tables left, but there still are some tables left. Um, act now. Act now while supplies last. Um, Quantities are limited. So what did somebody say? We were not doing a reasonable job in reminding people about Cocoa Fest every week. I or? did. You did, Marco. Yeah. Same on you. Lackly unmentioned. Lackly unmentioned. Oh, by the way, you guys, you know, there's this thing called Cocoa Fest, and I think that happens about once a year. People get together, talk about the cocoa, 
you know. <laughs> this whole show is about Cocoa Fest. That's why I get started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our, uh, what is it, four-year anniversary is coming up here, third-year anniversary. We almost got three, In March, what, March three, 27th? March 19th was March our 19th. first show. Wow. So we're yes. almost three years. It's been that long. Yep. The fest is in April or is it in March? Yeah, it's in April this year. It's in April. Okay. Because I, I would like to really make an effort to, to actually go to my first Cocoa Fest. So you're talking about you're that would this be year? nice. Yeah, this year, hopefully. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see you there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to, you know, to go to a fest like that. Yeah, I reserved like four tables. I don't think we're going to need more than two. So I, I have, I know I'm going to have a couple of extra tables. So if somebody shows up, late that they weren't sure they're going to make it and at the last minute they can make it there'll be it will be at least one or two tables how much do, like the hotels that you guys usually stay at cost um if you stay at that hotel it's roughly 100 bucks a night there's a there's a rate there's the glenside rate yeah. i think it's with taxes it's like 113 or something like that i'm staying somewhere that's about uh, 60 bucks a night with with all taxes included yeah so the convenience there is you're right there, you know, and then there's the lobby. You hang out in the lobby till God knows when. Sounds yeah. like he's that Trivago get guy. Stuck, get stuck in the elevator. Mm. Get stuck oh, in the elevator. There won't be an elevator Trivago. this time. Yeah. <laughs> Does that other hotel have a, a coin receptacle for the bed? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like there's still 15 tables available. 15 uh, tables. So that's significant. Out of 62. Well, okay, I mean that's venue, that's good. It? It's a bigger venue. Yeah, it is. It, it is. And the venue is a Holiday Inn, so if you've got points, that works too. Ah, nice. Now, um, 40, 40 and, years this year. For the yeah, that's one. the thing. Like, I missed the Glenside meeting, but the, I'm wondering what emphasis on the Coco's 40th anniversary is going to take place this year thematically is there going to be a theme is there going to be decorations will there be balloons will there be a you, cake will david jump out of there the be a cake? you know steve um, you know that computer you were going to give away is it a uh coco one it is a coco two you should you should oh okay i was going to say if it was a coco one you should make it gold or something and then that would be yeah. something to yeah that would be the, really uh, neat yeah auction yeah. because of the anniversary coco yeah yeah, yeah, that one's got a, some type of hardware issue that needs to be looked at, probably RAM, and the one I bought's got like a RAM issue too. So I've got Cocos that we'll find homes for, but they're going to need a little TLC before they're uh, ready to know, get in ship shape, yeah. Yeah, when I stop and actually think about it, 40 years. It's insane. 40 Man. years since we actually started playing around with our Cocos, and it's like, wow, it's four decades. It's like when when we were speaking to Reverend Fuzzy, you know, the, the guy who yeah. made those videos, you know, mm-hmm. you, there's no way he could have imagined. There's no way any of us could have imagined in 1980, 81, that 40 years later, people would still be celebrating this computer. No. There's no way, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, even though this was new and exciting technology, even then you saw on the horizon, there was a bigger, better thing right around the corner. And we were all, we were really excited for the next big thing. Um, and once the next big thing came out, yesterday's thing was really not even in our consciousness anymore. Like when the Tandy 1000 came out, I forgot all about the Coco. I was blown away by that. Wow. 80 columns, 16 colors, three voice music, all kinds of cool games, you know, DOS, BBS, all these things. You know, it was like I forgot the cocoa existed for, you know, 35 years since then, since because I've been using some form of PC. So yeah, I'll so tell you what's what's cool is setting up your computer 
in like 2002 and then thinking now let's see l o a d m uh, <laughs> you know it's weird though it's like riding a bike i never forgot low to m and c o yeah. m and it's funny yeah, yeah 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 yeah. You know, the high speed poke on the Coco yeah. 3, like, yeah, I, I learned it as like in, in, um, not the hex value, but the actual uh, decimal. And like, it had been like 15 years since I typed that command, but my fingers start typing P O K E six. And my, I don't even know where the numbers came from, but my fingers knew which one, which ones to do. It's like, it's like dialing a phone up. What's your phone number? I don't know. Oh, but if I do this in exactly. the air, I can, I can dial it. Right. So it's the same yep. thing. It's like muscle memory, you know? Yep. Even programming, you know, like, like remembering all the all the all the memory addresses and the and you know the commands. Is, when I was writing my um, my step sequencer program for the first song on the Coco Music album, that's the first time I'd actually gotten into programming in BASIC in what thirty five odd years. And and I got in there and I'm typing away, and before long, I you know I, I had a a, a, a working program that was interacting with hardware and controlling the synthesizers, and I was like, this was really cool and because the memory was still there and, and the excitement of getting it working was still there and the debugging and, oh, why is it not doing this? And, oh, yeah, I can do that. That'll fix this problem. And it's it's all that excitement from back then in the first days of actually getting into programming. It, it was just it was, it was right there again, right in front of me. And it was like, this is so cool. Well, this this is weird, but one time I, heard, I read or saw this thing about a guy that got shot in the head. And um, it was in the early morning after he'd gotten up and he uh, went and got the um, uh, newspaper from the front of the house, and he went and made a, 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 a breakfast sandwich or something and ate it, and then he, like, died on the, at the kitchen table or whatever. Like he was and, still running on reflex. Yeah, and it was on a different part of the brain that does all the stuff that you do every day, you know, yeah. and just automatically do without thinking because most of his brain, was, I guess, was gone. <laughs> wow. But, uh, cortex or whatever the main area did all the other stuff for him because i guess there was blood all the way out to the holy crap the, he just left a trail around the house yeah. as he's walking around bleeding oh out huh God, yeah that's oh. gruesome and that's something yeah thanks for really of... bringing things up for us there ron <laughs> <laughs> just just think of just talking you don't about need it, your yeah, brain to use yeah. a cocoa <laughs> yeah you don't you, you could be you could be shot in the head and still code so <laughs> Some of the programs I've played, I want to shoot the guy who made them. So I, I've noticed my my cocoa's a, a little red now. <laughs> you should call it riding hood. <laughs> so easy can be can be any. It's, it's so easy if someone of a gunshot wound can do it. So. <laughs> Deck B. <laughs> this guy's using dial up again. <laughs> Deck B. They decked him. <laughs> but yeah no it's great like i, I remember because i went to college and like i had pcs and that just was my thing but i still once in a while i'd get the cocoa out of storage and boot it up and maybe load an old program and get nostalgic but that's sort of where it would end and you know because i i there was really i think the community is the difference for for now yeah sure, for sure. Once I got back into programming and I found you guys and the Facebook group and then Discord, it's like now I, you know, now I have someone to share that nostalgia with and and have a, you know, participation. And you're gonna stop making mittens at night watching TV. Uh, I know, I'm getting old, guys. <laughs> Says the oldest guy in the panel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
I actually went to my, my school, my, my college, Providence College yesterday to get my transcript. And I went to the cafeteria because, you know, guests can eat there too. And the woman said, yeah, you can eat here for free, you know, if you have your, your son and your daughter with you. And I'm like, whoa, this is different. Like last time I was here, like I was, hey, this is the student eating. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, where's your kids that are going to this school? I'm like, oh, I got old. <laughs> it happens. It happens to everybody except David Ladd. <laughs> <laughs> He's immortal. He's a vampire. Himself. Yes. Oh, but Stevie, you haven't fed me lately. <laughs> Don't oh, underestimate the power of the grease weasel. That must be why we we only just get the, his profile picture uh, on on Zoom, because that way we can't we can't see that he's not aging. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully so, you'll be there, Lord Dragon, at the fest. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I really I, I do. I would just I just got to figure out um, you know saving some money for the trip and uh, you know the logistics of it. Sure. I might be able to convince a friend to come with me, but uh, where do you live? I'm in uh, Rhode Island. Oh, yep. It's neither a road nor an island. Discuss. Nope. <laughs> and it's definitely not <laughs> Long Island. No, <laughs> it's the size of Maricopa County, I think. Rob Inman, you going to be there? <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, in fact, um, I have not only will I be there, but I have a song parody uh, written about specifically about people like Lord Dragon who have never been there before. Oh, first timer, son. Um, what I what I found uh, is that I'm no Bruce Moore when it comes to vocal chops. So few of uh, us are. That <laughs> so I think what I'm going to do is send my two song parodies, uh, one of which involves uh, first timers at uh, Coco Fest. To Bruce Moore and see if he can. Um, ah, yes. Add the see vocals. Can, see if he can Bruce them up for you. Exactly. Hey, Lord, our dragon uh, recent uh, uh, Coco Fest runs three days. It's because uh, when you first go to your first one, you get the tattoo, and then by the third oh. day, it doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I didn't realize how much of a commitment this event uh, might be. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Mark D. Overholzer, you will be there, correct? Yes, definitely. Coming and your in. lovely girlfriend Tina, or Tina. Yep, is a girlfriend or fiance? Uh both. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Your significant other. Yep. Are we are we all invited to the sure. wedding? Sure. It's a cocoa wedding. October <laughs> cocoa wedding. Sure. I'll send you details. All right, uh, Mark Bosley, you'll be making your first attendance. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mark Bosley will be there. Jason, I'll, the cocoa I'll man. All and ready. Yeah, both the Riker brothers will be there, right? Absolutely, Ken. Can make it. He can. Ken will make it. <laughs> he will. We know David Ladd will be there. So David Ladd's worth the price of admission, as it is. Matter of fact, we don't. If if because I'm not sure they've secured a keynote speaker yet. So we could have David Ladd talk about grease wheel, PTL, <laughs> drivewire, RS232, <laughs> floppies. So should everybody bring their bad floppies to the show? He yes. will. He, he will get the flux out of there. Yes. So. <laughs> I'll flood you. <laughs> you got a bad floppy? Get the flux out of here. You huh? mother clucker. Yeah. Shut so. the front door. Shut that front door. <laughs> Absolutely. 
All right, okay. well, I'm going to go check on uh, family well, obligations here. At, yeah, and my wife front. has both hands on the hips. Uh-oh, that's uh -oh. the sign. <laughs> that's the sign. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, my brother's today. So I'm out of here as well. Thank you, Rob and Nick and, and Curtis and everybody for keeping the flame alive today, keeping the show going. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks, everybody, in the live chat. I'd like to thank uh, my parents for conceiving me. Like, oh, God, <laughs> for much nothing would be for possible. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Night, everybody. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> thank you, Dugat. Oh, yeah. I guess oh, we'll bye. hit the button on the ca the caboose. Is, <laughs> is loose. Push the button, Frank. The Final thoughts? Final thoughts? Final thoughts uh, from Lord Dragon, who's a special guest. Oh, all right. Um, just thanks for showing my program and uh, thanks for making it. The community. Yeah, nice. no, I, and I, I love all these suggestions about things I could add for detection and even expanding it for diagnostics. That's that's a, that's a cool idea. So. Now, let me ask you: Does your program detect farts? <laughs> because uh, not without additional hardware. All right, all right. No, no, no. I don't, we I'm had a we had a recent program. We, that yeah, did that. Yeah. we showed a project off last week. Somebody made somebody rigged up a smoke detector to a cocoa. Oh. To, methane detector. Oh, wow. Yeah, methane. I did detector. think about hooking it to a, my solar power system uh, last year, but uh, well, you're running solar power as well, eh? Yeah, yeah. I I, I did with the old place I lived because I actually had like a yard that I could put stuff in. But where I'm at now is kind of an apartment building, so that kind of hobby is on hold. For the moment, but it was like tons of fun. I had like the whole system. But, uh, yeah, I'm running my entire studio and home and everything, and all my cocos of solar panels. Yeah, I actually have a video where I, I run uh, my Coco 3 off of 100% solar power. It's pretty cool. Oh, I nice. think I've seen that video. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was, it's just you posted on Facebook, I think. Just because great. I could, you know. So when the zombie yep. apocalypse happens, I'll be able to still, you know, code on on my Coco 3. <laughs> That's priority. Yeah, same here. Priority. Same here. We had a we had a cyclone in 2016, and it knocked out the power to the to the whole state, the entire state. And I, my lights were on, and I was still doing stuff, and I was running on batteries for the whole time. And I'm sure people were walking past. How is his lights still on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Last words, da David O'Connor. I think I just did. Uh, no, look, I'm, I'm really encouraged by the discussion about Discord, too. So uh, let's all get over to, I'm going to spend a bit more time in Discord myself. Get Don't over there and, and talk projects. Yeah, Don't, there's a mini-channel there. Yeah. Don't be shy. Come over to Discord. Uh, Mark B., hmm. did you already give your last words, or you, you're, you're good? What, what do you have um, for us? Uh, good. I got a question for Jason, though. Oh. We're, we're yeah. at, we ran out of time. <laughs> uh, 42. 42. What's your question? Answer the life, the universe, uh, and everything. I was going to ask if you're if you were the one that had the uh, uh, power switches for Coco ones. I am not. I think okay. it's a different one than the two and the three uses. I. They're out there. I I just don't I don't know the specifics. Yeah, that's not oh, okay. Sarah's body wrapped in bubble wrap in the backseat. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just Maybe like she's bubble wrap. Okay. Maybe she really likes bubble wrap a lot. <laughs> I think Jim Brain might have uh, posted a link one time to the switch, but I don't remember. Right. Yeah. I've got a D board that needs a switch. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure like some of the usual suspects of uh, electronic suppliers have it. 
like uh, DigiKey or one, one of those. Yeah, okay. I'll look closer. I mean, it's only a three-inch catalog they have. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Brain knows or some of the other uh, folks in the community know what what he needs. Yeah. Speaking of Discord, you could throw out the question there. There you go. Exactly. That's a great okay. place for that question. And before we let you go, Jason, where are you off to? Where are you driving to with uh, Sarah's body? Oh. There's no Sarah's body here. <laughs> I, I am going to go have dinner with some friends in uh, beautiful Beaver County, Pennsylvania. All right. Nice, nice Beaver. Are you sure? Because it looks like you're getting arrested. Or something. <laughs> it's, the red, it's the brake lights in front of them. It's just in. It's pretty much dark here now. So, yes, it's the brake lights in front of me. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, have a good time at dinner, and uh, let us know if you need any help with... There you go. If you need yeah. any help with your digestion or bowel release yes, or anything absolutely. else. Absolutely. Nick Marotta. I think I'm burying a body. Just remember, <laughs> Nick Marotta, calm, cool, Canadian. That's right. Calm, cool, Canadian. <laughs> I like that a lot. Nick Marotta for prime minister. That's right. <laughs> All right. Th- thanks, Al Hartman. I'll check with Richard. <laughs> so it's, uh, Nick, you're excited about Draconian? I am. I, I like that game. I I, uh, I I don't know if I'll play it as much as Donkey King either, but it's definitely one of the uh, it's one of the more unique games for the Coco, even though it's yeah. based on an arcade game. But it's definitely a uh, unique spin yeah. on it. So yeah, that's why I thought it'd be a good pick. <laughs> yeah. So my my free advice is make sure you pick up as many of those spacemen as possible because they're all extra points. You know, when you bust out the uh, that's an amazing tip. Yeah. Maybe avoid getting shot, too. Would that be yeah, don't die. Tip? Shoot yeah. the bad guys. Avoid all obstacles. Yeah. Marco, do you or your cats have any last words, last meows? I don't know. Mini-me, do you have anything to say? Meow. Meow. I'm looking forward to Coco Fest. Going to be there. Great. And Stevie Stroh, will I be waking up with a horse head in my bed? No, no. My no. final, my parting <laughs> thoughts are: when the going gets tough, rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a given. Well, let, <laughs> let's talk about who was in the live chat because they didn't rage quit. No, Jeremy Laundry in the live chat. Mark Overholzer, Nimble, Dave, and Sharon. Hello, come on Sharon. down. Come on down. You're the next contestant. And we had uh, Robert Murphy. Um, we had Robert Nimble. Murphy is the same guy who does all the 3D printing stuff, right? I think so. I think so. Uh, and we had um, so much Nick Morota. Um, or oh, yeah. maybe a little too much. Maybe Nick a little Marotta. too much. Maybe, maybe. I'm, I'm go uh, Nick Morota's kind of like garlic. There's no such thing as too much. <laughs> no, no such thing as too much Nick Morota. That's so. true. Yeah, I, I can't get enough of it. Um, a lot of Robert Murphy. D. Bruce Moore was in the live chat. Wayne Campbell. D. Bruce. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce is loose. The Bruce is loose, and Curtis Boyle and uh, Ken can make it. He says anything can happen on Coco Talk three times. I think yeah. he was talking about the, <laughs> the beginning. Um, speak for yourself. Okay, we, David Lord. Another Lord. David Lord. Uh, we have many Lords. Al Name Hartman. David. Many Lords. Al Hartman from Jersey, and, and thanks everyone, and uh, we will let you go and hit the button. Uh, peace, we're out of here. <laughs>